0: Electric bicycles are my jam. I'm turning into a nut for a good e-bike. It's easy to get around, we save gas, not driving our car for short trips to the store, and I'm getting a little extra exercise. The folks at Velatric are sponsoring a series of videos on my channel to show off some affordable e-bikes and help people get up to speed. It's easier than you think, and prices have never been more competitive. You can catch those videos on my YouTube channel, but if you're interested in shopping an e-bike, head over to velatric.bike slash some gadget guy and look at their road bikes and fat tires. Again. V E L O T R I C dot B I K E slash some gadget guy, velatric bike slash some gadget guy. If any of those bikes look good to you, you can save an additional sixty dollars off an already low price by using the coupon code some GADGET sixty, some GADGET six zero at checkout. Once again, velatric dot slash some gadget guy and coupon code some GADGET sixty, and I thank velatric for being a sponsor on this show. I believe this means we are live! Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, tech fans of all shapes and sorts and sizes and persuasions, welcome to another episode of Monday Morning Tech Chat Show on the SGG QA Podcast channel. I'm Juan Carlos Bagnell, uh, a.k.a. some gadget guy, the SGG of this terribly named podcast, but the QA is the important part because that obviously stands for question and answer, but especially this week... Um, We usually do, like, a pajama podcast at the end of the month. We let the chat pretty much take the wheel. Um, I don't keep the same sort of rigid, I say rigid format, but we know I ramble like crazy uh, with, like, a news block and a a gadget block and gaming and stuff like that. Here, we're going to let the conversation kind of go wherever we want the conversation to go. I have some topics planned that we can kind of kick off some of that conversation, but really here we're, we're just going to spend some time together, hang out with a great group of nerds, um just just kind of uh share some some holiday and tech holiday uh conversation and uh you know, we just want to keep it nice and chill, nice and relaxed. We need to a nice quiet week. This this might become the last podcast of the year. I'm not entirely sure. Like next, what would have been next week's podcast? I uh, I have to take I have to take off for Christmas. Um, I need a day <laughs> just to like spend time with family. But uh, we're 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 you depending on timing and family events and stuff like that, we we might not get in for another podcast until the beginning of next year. So, with that in mind, happy holidays, everybody. I hope you've been having a lovely time. This time of year is always crazy stressful. Marie and I are still rushing around like mad to try and wrap up our last couple little gifts and holiday cards out to friends and things like that. And uh, we just don't want to lose sight of what this time of year is supposed to mean, supposed to be. Jman150 is already telling me to check my posture and to hydrate. So, thank you, Jman150. And Dave Burns is... Uh, oh, wait, hold on. I've got to find the actual. There we go. Uh, Dave Burns is highlighting derailing the podcast is like half the fun of the live stream. I don't know, I think it's more than half. <laughs> Dave Burns taking off Christmas. How anti-puritanical of you. <laughs> I mean, We've like we, we got that hustle grind set. You know what I mean? We've got that workflow. We're going we're gonna to go. We're going to do this. We're going to work, 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 work. Except that it's also like a spiritual time of end of year to reflect on. But n- reflection, that's that's not profitable. So, you know, don't do that. I'm going to take a sip of coffee here real quick. So, um, and also, Jman150, thank you for telling me to check my posture. Because if you... If you've been following the podcast, uh, you might have noticed that the headrest behind my head has changed color from last week, where I had kind of a meltdown. I had a really cheap mesh chair. Dave Burns offered a suggestion on a better chair, and I didn't take it, but his suggestion led me to another uh, suggestion, so it was a, a one-step removed. So, Dave, thank you for, for hitting that up, um, because it did help me find something I wanted to try. And so it's another mesh office chair, slightly more ergonomic, higher. It raises higher so my feet aren't, like, at an odd angle. I realized, like, one of the things that might have been messing up my heel was I was sitting very sort of awkwardly in that other red chair. And also just fresh padding, you know, better lumbar support. and And this, like, can actually kind of support my weight on, you know, how, like, office chairs can recline. This one kind of supports my weight without me having to lock it in place the other one is like I couldn't like uh, you know use the tensioner I couldn't make it any more resilient or stiffer so the second you would unlock it you would just go woof and you would just like fall backwards like a dentist chair so hopefully my posture is a little better this week j-man <laughs> <laughs> I, Marie got mad at me because she was like we could have gotten you an office chair for your Christmas present and are like that is not a Christmas present that is, an, that, that is a business expense that is something that we will absolutely be claiming on our taxes that's not it's not a gift I mean it would have been received in love I would have appreciated it but it's also like it just reminds me of sitting in front of my workstation the goal. I have a goal for 2024 by the end of 2024. I think I just need to get rid of a chair in this office in general, like free up some floor space. I have a standing desk that I have not risen in over two years. And I think it's time to clean out like sort of how all of the cabling is kind of locking the desk down, get extensions. Cause I have some things on here that like, especially for like my lights And then lift the whole thing up, and I'll start doing the show standing. And I think that would be better for everybody. So, I'm already seeing a great group of folks here in the chat. We've got David Lockwood saying, hey. We've got ER1980 saying, I up. We've got Dave Burns, of course, Gorm Lord. We've got Utaku, Simon Says Hypno, Jman150, JGJ. What's Christmas without a little apple snark? (laughs) We're going to get into a lot of apple snark. We got Ron Guido, Pacostin We've got—I'm missing someone. Who am I missing? Oh, Ghost Starscream! I saw you in there. Uh, Juan Snark can't be beaten when it comes to Apple. <laughs> and Gormlord, a dentist chair is actually a good idea. Then attach screens to those arms like they do in dentist offices, and we could just do the whole the whole you know stream like with me reclined, and you could kind of point down. We could do like a, a, a ceiling camera mount. And then just like, hey, guys, you can also see my bot cuspids. See, that's some dentist humor for you there, because I used a technical term for a tooth. <laughs> JGJ, I actually had every intention of doing this. JGJ says, I'm a standing desk only guy, don't want to be slouching. I had every intention to make that transition, and then I got lazy. So, not, not great. Yeah. Uh, Simon says hypno dentist chair funnel and booze for the perfect Christmas. <laughs> in Pakistan, if you do the recliner, you'll need a straw for hydrating. J Man Room Fifty also redeeming stretch. I- I'm I'm trying to pay more attention to what's going on in the Twitch. Ooh, I got a little click there. I don't know if that showed up on the mic. Ugh. Oh, ho-ho-ho. that one sounded gross, but it felt amazing. All right, so um, happy holidays, everybody. Uh, we, we I want to kick off the conversation Someone Someone popped in and said, "Hey, we want to talk about something LG or the V50." Um, I think Pakistan uh, had a had a question about that, and we will absolutely get to that in 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 the interest of kicking off some discussion, I felt it was the right time of year to take a look back at the incredible number of big tech regulatory d- stories and situations, and, and also kind of just show, like, for whatever you might feel is like a, an end user, you're a single person who has to own some kind of telecommunications equipment, some kind of phone or computer or tablet. This is a very different conversation than trillion-dollar market cap corporation dealing with regional governments around the world. So I am of the persuasion to get really snarky about some of these things, but what I'm talking about is Apple as a corporate entity with executives who determine massive changes in business policy and how their customers are treated versus someone who owns an iPhone. We can appreciate that we're not talking about the same people. So if we criticize Apple, we're not criticizing you iPhone u- users. We're criticizing Tim Cook. <laughs> you are not Tim Cook. And and the whole beeper mini situation really kind of played out the sort of us versus them mentality. Uh it, it it's manifested I think in its ugliest when the corporation is behind the marketing and the messaging of us versus them. I feel like Apple is responsible for a generational mindset. Like this is passed down from consumer parents to consumer children since the 1984 Apple Super Bowl ad. The literal 1984 commercial that Apple has produced has basically set the tone for generations of us versus them marketing. Um, I know a lot of people like to point out Mac versus PC, but that's not... That's not where it started. The inception of that, we're the plucky upstarts who think different and we're special and patting ourselves on the back. And Apple has kind of lived on that, has, has sort of pushed that for generations. Um, of course, the, the flip side of that would be Samsung marketing, which I think was horrifically ugly and, and combative. Um, but I, I feel like nothing has sustained in that discussion, in that conversation, like Apple's us versus them marketing. So, um, here, let me get this out of the way. I'm going to take a quick drink of coffee again. And uh, we've got... I don't know. We're going to try to blow through these stories. One, two, three, four, five, six... Seven. So, the, the top seven... I should have made this a video. Top seven uh, regulatory pressure points that governments are putting on Apple. Number three will blow your mind. I didn't even do housekeeping. I'm way off my patter this week, guys. This is this is great. So first of all, this was we've got two stories that were breaking news this morning. Pretty big deals, and I, I'm horrifically disappointed. In how long these conversations have taken to play out, but will take some small victory in that I guess it's something is finally happening. So uh, the first one is one that I have crankily whined about for months now. I, I feel like this has been one of the most glaring examples of mark of, of Apple's ability to pressure markets to steal from competitors to deliver stolen property at scale and then to bribe, <clears throat> excuse me, influence politicians to get preferential treatment so that they are treated differently than the companies that they would have been suing if the same thing had happened to them. So, <laughs> Brian, you know someone's going to put this out there. The top seven ways the government is oppressing Apple. You won't believe number four and shocked face for the... For the for the thumbnail, I'm so bad at doing the clickbait. Like I really need to up my clickbait game. So uh, here we go. Apple to halt Apple Watch uh, Apple Watch Series Nine and Apple Watch Ultra two sales in the U S. This week. It's happening, people. It's happening. Dot gif. Um, in a statement to 9to5Mac... Oh, I'm sorry, this was written up by Chance Miller over at 9to5Mac. In a statement to 9to5Mac, Apple has announced that it will soon halt sales of its flagship Apple Watch models in the United States. Apple Watch uh, Series 9 and Apple Watch Ultra 2 will no longer be available to purchase from Apple starting this week. So this is all coming back. We've been talking about this for a couple months. Just to, the quick recap. Uh, back in February... No, back in January of this year we saw a court case uh, unfold where apple was found guilty of stealing a health company's ip so the blood oxygen sensors that are in apple watches they determined apple did you know apple took this this ip So, of course, Apple immediately worked out a licensing agreement, fairly compensated the affected developers and the the affected engineers, and everybody was happy. Everything was copacetic. That's totally not what happened. Apple immediately went scurrying off on appeal and then also started dumping, uh, (coughs) excuse me, started influencing politicians who could affect change on these types of behaviors. And we talked about that a couple months ago because... The ruling continued through October. So, Apple has been allowed to sell this watch, uh, sell this technology in their watches for the entire year without any kind of repercussion, without any kind of slap on the wrist, without any kind of acknowledgement that they've stolen another company's IP. I would like you to imagine any situation where someone could rip off Apple tech and continue to sell it for a year. While we worked out what's going on in the market in, in the courts. You know, we just we want to be really concerted. We don't want to go off, you know, too aggressively and and maybe potentially harm the market. We gotta make sure that you know we really do this right. But if another company had had stepped on Apple's toes here, I wonder what the reaction would have been. It's just it's a complete unknown. So back in October We started following up with this story again because the ITC ruling was upheld. And then nothing happened. (laughs) From October to December. I think it's really lovely that we made it through sort of the peak of the holiday tech gift buying season. We're in that last week. You know, this is the last week where people would maybe be picking up devices and stuff. And so this is the last week that Apple gets to sell the... The, the series nine. And, uh, it's, it's just really nice. You know, if you, if you, you don't have to worry about not being able to buy an Apple watch for the holidays. You know, now once sales plummet in January, then we can pull the plug. Uh, it's literally, I think. Yeah. So, uh, during the, so this is back from the article during the process, president Biden could veto the ruling, although this has not yet occurred. The presidential review period expires on December 25th. <laughs> Christmas Day, that's when we'll finally pull the plug on you being able to buy an Apple Watch from Apple. There's still going to be a ton of these out in distribution in and uh, like other third, uh, third-party retailers, Amazon, Best Buy. You know they're going to be stocking up. You know all of those outlets are going to buy a ton of them. And then when you can't buy an Apple Watch on Apple, they'll... <laughs> Sorry, guys, you know, that nasty government, you know, they're just getting in our way. But, I mean, you know, we have some lovely partners. If you'd like to buy one on Amazon or on Best Buy, you could totally do that. So, yeah, it's pretty gross. (laughs) But ultimately, this is what we would hope to see. Sorry, I'm kind of adjusting. I'm literally in my PJs, so as I'm shifting around, this is something I did not test, is sitting in a new mesh chair. The mesh is a little different than my old mesh chair, and these PJs, uh, these sweats that I'm in, love to kind of catch on the mesh, and they're bunching up in a very uncomfortable way. You didn't need to know that, but I don't show you what happens below sort of my armpits. So I just felt like I would let you know if you see some awkward fidgeting for my very first podcast in this chair. That's why. <laughs> so, <laughs> so ultimately... Justice has not been served, but it will be eventually, hopefully, if Apple wants to bring their products back to market. It's just so cynical, a move, that the final ramifications of this took place after most of the damage has been done for this generation of smartwatches. Just moving forward, what I expect is that Apple has reverse engineered this IP and this technology ruthlessly so that they can put in something that is basically the same. But then they don't have to pay a licensing fee to the company that they ripped off. And we'll have to see. We'll have to see if there's any other kind of follow-up for this. Um, it, it's really uh it, it's really a disappointing aspect. Because we know they're not gonna do any kind of recall. We know they're not gonna like make Apple replace devices. What we need to see is what is the penalty that Apple will have to pay this company for stepping on their on their IP. And that's going to be, we know Apple will drag that out in court, Samsung style. This is like a key Samsung move here is you rip off someone's IP, you deliver it at scale, and then you hold them out in court for like 10 years. And I, I very much believe that Apple will be appealing and fighting verdicts and, 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 and trying to work on what the, the licensing should look like, that this will be an ongoing battle that the company will probably die before they get a penny out of, out of Apple here. Um, yeah, sorry. Let me, let me just catch up with the chat here. Uh, JGJ, so is Apple becoming Microsoft or was that Google? Um, well, I mean, we, we, we just saw the, the recent Google antitrust, uh, decision come down too. Um, I don't know. I, I I don't know that like, the the classic era of everyone being scared of Microsoft as the big dog in, in consumer electronics. Google and Apple, I think, have both sort of forked into opposite directions of how terrible Microsoft was back in that era. And I think they're both approaching sort of anti-competitive or anti-consumer business practices in different ways. But it's not really a good look either way. I don't think anyone has really replicated because... Microsoft got tagged hard enough on things like including a web browser with windows that now one of the stories we're also going to be checking out is Apple's uh, relationship with the EU and their policy on Safari. (laughs) So actually, you know what? In, in some very specific ways, Apple is kind of becoming a little bit more like classic Microsoft. Um, (laughs) <laughs> go Scream! Is this the end of the Apple Watch? No. <laughs> they're they're going to stockpile them and they're going to continue to sell them uh, Gormlord in the US. So they'll continue selling it where they can get away with it. And hopefully that this is something that kind of dovetails with other EU regulations. But the court case that has actually been handed down here was handled in courts here in the United States. So you can't just apply that internationally. That has to be region by region. But with this win in the USA, this company now has a much stronger argument to then say, hey, Apple, we're going to go to the EU next. What are we doing here? Pay us. You know, like it's a money thing. Give us the money and you can you don't have to worry about any of these shenanigans happening in other regions in the world. Um... (laughs) <laughs> dave burns apple bottom out the facade of intellectual property thanks tim well i mean they're it's just not a part of their dna you know they don't bully tim cook said that on on under oath to uh it was at a house judiciary committee so uh you know we 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 can be confident that he absolutely would not have perjured himself uh, <laughs> Brian Glaze, trillion-dollar company stealing from the small guy. This might just be me, but something feels wrong about that. It's It kind of goes against their we're the little guys and think different kind of marketing, right? Jeez, it's it's sort of weird that, uh, that that would happen. So um, also breaking news this morning, and I, I, uh, I apologize. I, I caught this first on Engadget, so then when I went to click on that on Engadget, I'm using Bing as my search engine and Microsoft Took over Engadget's story here. Um, but uh, US lawmakers call for DOJ probe into Apple's blocking of Beeper's iMessage app. Uh, this is written up by Chris Holt over at Engadget. Uh, Do, Uh, There have been a number of efforts in recent months to provide Android users with access to iMessage via workarounds. Earlier this month, Beeper said it was able to reverse-engineer the iMessage protocol and support it on Android devices. Within a couple of days, Beeper Mini's iMessage integration was acting up, and Apple, without elaborating too much, soon confirmed it had blocked an iMessage exploit. Um, The the back-and-forth between Beeper and Apple caught the attention of Senator Elizabeth Warren. Quote, Green bubble texts are less secure, so why would Apple block a new app? allowing Android users to chat with iPhone users on iMessage. Big tech executives are protecting profits by squashing competitors. Uh, Chatting between different platforms should be easy and secure. Now, uh, we have a quartet. We have uh, Senators Amy Klobuchar, Mike Lee, uh, Jerry Nadler, and Ken Buck um, sent a letter to the Department of Justice, and they're asking for an investigation into Apple's business uh, business practices to see if they violated any antitrust laws. I don't believe that as we... So if I were looking at this from the perspective of the FTC, I feel Apple has been very clear about what their products do, what they accomplish, what what you sign up for in their terms of service. I don't believe the FTC would have any kind of dog in this fight. I don't think they'd be able to tag Apple on any kinds of violations of business practices. This is a very particular kind of conversation that has to play out as we re-examine what it means to be some kind of anti-consumer force in the market. It's Unfortunately, I do believe from a legal argument standpoint, that Tim Cook's assessment of competition will probably hold legal weight. We can't possibly be a monopoly because Android exists. And so from that kind of legal wrangling, you can say there is competition in the market and Apple isn't doing anything to block people from buying an Android phone. So how could that be a monopoly? So now what we need to do is start looking at what are the other business ramifications, and these are the kinds of court cases that are going to set precedent. These are the new court cases of this 21st century economy that won't entirely rely on precedent set from previous court cases. They've got to cut new paths. They've got to blaze new trails. So the DOJ examining this, yeah, we can actually start to look at Apple's history of breaking standards, blocking interoperability, and this is also going to be um influenced by what happens in the EU. So with EU regulators also very aggressively looking at interoperability, they're going to they're going to walk that path first and then the United States is going to go, "Well, hoppa." And then figure out, "Oh, yeah, I guess we should probably do something like that, too." I don't actually think Beeper Mini is the hill to die on. I don't think that's the line in the sand, but we are now using this specific example to look at consumers are trying to converse. The United States for some reason is stuck on text messaging and they won't you just can't move anyone here to a good third-party messenger. I appreciate people's concerns. Like, I don't want to go to WhatsApp either. I finally had to re-enable my WhatsApp account just to handle a new parent thread so that parents can talk to each other at my daughter's school. It's like the only service that everyone would agree on that they could use for rich media transfer and for good notifications and replies and stuff. And I hate it, but I eventually had to bite that bullet and just do that. So now we're all back on WhatsApp. I got to say, it's so much nicer being on WhatsApp than using text messages to try and talk to parents about stuff happening at the school. And I feel like it would have been better if we were on text messages if iMessage didn't break every interaction between Android and Apple. So Beeper Mini definitely highlighted, I think, one of the ugliest aspects of the, the sort of bully Apple community. You know, I I posted a couple weeks back just like, boy, I think, you know, a lot of Apple folks are telling on themselves with their reactions to this because it's not about security. It's not about better features. It's not about, you know, interoperability or talking to their friends. It really is. I want to be in a club that keeps people out. And boy, howdy, did I get a lot of reactions to that post on threads. A lot of very angry and bitter iPhone people were really up in their feels and it was a bad look. And if you go through that thread, you'll see a lot of really angry and hateful comments because <laughs> they want a club that they can exclude people from, not because they care about having a better messaging service or being able to talk back and forth with people. This to me is a good example of the multi-generational uh, kind of us versus them marketing that Apple has been able to capitalize on and that bullying is a core resource for Apple in the United States to help drive sales because those kinds of people put pressure on other consumers to also just be a part of the club. And I feel there is a not insignificant number of iPhone purchases that are handled just because people don't want to be hassled by the folks who really care what color your text message is. So I'm going to, um, Jman 150 has hit me up with hydrate. And so I'm going to properly hydrate. I'm going to go to the water for this not my coffee coffee's actually you know kind of you know a, a bit of a a way to dehydrate so i'm going to take a sip of this i'm going to catch up on the chat here real quick hey podcast listeners i work really hard to find mutually beneficial ways to support production on my various distribution platforms Instead of just running ads on this podcast and hoping they don't annoy you, I want to find products or services that you really will get something out of and that can help fund my production. While I do talk about some of those items in ads throughout this podcast, I've never created one easy-to-view master list of my current partnerships until now. Sorry, I couldn't help myself. If you'd like to help contribute, support production of this podcast and my various videos and reviews, head on over to somegadgetguy.com. At the top, there's going to be a link for support some gadget guy, and you can see what my current partnerships are. At the time this podcast was recorded, in addition to my Patreon, we can hook you up with a $10 voucher for shopping a new OnePlus, save 20% on some one more headphones. Sign you up for Google Fi service, Amazon affiliate links, Audible, or you can grab a Mega Pickle coffee mug of your very own. Mmm, mmm, savory, delicious Mega Pickles. Head on over to SomeGadgetGuy.com, support banner on the top right-hand side of my website, and hopefully you find something cool, something you like, while also kicking me a little extra scratch. Oh, I missed, uh, Scoop said, good morning, all, good morning, Scoop. Oh, and Michael Corcoran. Microsoft is also totally nerfing their rewards program. I just got another Amazon uh, gift card. <laughs> like five bucks at a time, but it's five bucks. <laughs> JGJ. Mike Lee is a strong conservative. Shocked he joined on this bill. I don't know. You can't always, you know, the the whole liberal versus conservative thing is starting to blur a little bit. Um, I know conservatives typically start aiming more of their ire at Google because they believe that liberals are keeping them down and silencing their speech online, even though they can't seem to appreciate the difference between free speech for an actual citizen human being of the United States and a private platform that they themselves have fought to not regulate. Um, But when it comes to stuff like this, all bets are off there i i actually don't believe there is a good way to look at just some the letter after someone's name if it's d or if it's r and predict whether or not they're going to be on board regulatory insight on things like messaging, communication, app stores, that kind of policy. Uh, you know, you can always look at that and say like well, if apple is silencing these social media communities that are full of hateful hate speech um, then we have an interest in trying to blow open the 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 or or look at the regulations on those kinds of companies. So I mean, Mike Lee actually stepping across. I don't really feel this is a huge gesture of stepping across the aisle. I think this is probably just some part of his campaign or his platform where he would care about whether or not Apple is is playing uh, is playing ball. Uh, Starscream, as a default kind of guy, I never understood this whole thing about using third-party messaging apps. WhatsApp, I stay far away from Facebook products. Signal and Telegram, they're unknown to my eyes. And I think you kind of help set the, set the tone for why this has become such a divisive topic here in the United States. There's an apathy. I feel like Google is largely responsible for souring the experience of the third-party messenger. Canada, I think, helped establish a, a move into a better messaging product with BlackBerry. So we saw BlackBerry messaging servers, low, low data uh, usage, but it was a data-based messaging service. And it was walled off just for BlackBerry devices for a really, really long time. We eventually saw when they st- started getting more competition, they opened up BlackBerry Messenger. But really, the whole idea was you bought a BlackBerry, with uh, you could message between other BlackBerry users, and you had free texting. Around the world, SMS messaging is crazy expensive. And it's only here in the United States that we subsidized SMS as part of a minutes and texting call packages is one of the few aspects where having different carriers on different networks actually did work to the advantage of consumers in that they were forced to compete on other costs for services. But now that's carried through, and when Google started messing up things like uh, deprecating Hangouts and then trying to pitch Allo and Duo, then immediately deprecating those after like a year of them being out there, I think consumers saw like, well, hey, if Google can't get this done, Why should I jump on any smaller third-party app or service? But genuinely, once you're all on kind of one singular messaging platform, it's better. You're you're better able to communicate. So what I'm hoping is that RCS becomes something of a fallback. It's going to be the worst flavor of messaging. But if I'm on WhatsApp and someone else is on Signal and I can... Use RCS as a backbone bridge between those for interoperability, then yeah, maybe I don't get all of the fun perks, but then I have a better way of just talking to anyone no matter where they are. And that's what I hope is also going to be happening with iMessage and with all these other things. We know there's kind of a general apathy here, especially in the United States. You get the phone, you use the messaging app that's on the phone, and then you just get on with your day. That needs to change that 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 is kind of contributing now to this sort of warring clash and it's one of the reasons why we see you know anyone under the age of 20 they're wanting to buy iPhones to the tune of like 90%, right? Android is basically dead. It's it's coasting here in the United States, but it's going to be an entire generation or two entire generations of consumers that are overwhelmingly wanting to buy Apple products, not through any kind of technical meritocracy, not because they're the bestest in any given uh, performance aspect or, or in any kind of general consideration. It's simply this kind of social conditioning and what they've learned from their parents and the marketing of looking cool. So, you know, especially for folks out there who are struggling in the dating arena, this is also another one of those red flags, you know, like... He's a 10 but he has an i he's a 10 but he has an Android is like a running gag. You know, what what would you do? Do you still date him? No, he has an Android. So, yeah, we're we're I mean, I'm very low confidence <laughs> that a, that Android can kind of recover in the United States in the next couple of years. In fact, what I see is probably a continued decline, a slow bleeding, but a continued decline of people using pre, especially premium um, uh, Android devices. So, uh, I got to take a quick pause right here. So unfortunately I had an emergency repair on my workstation. I had to rip out a power supply. And let me tell you, that's like one of the grossest repairs for a system like mine, because I don't dust it out as often as I should. So my office was pretty rough. Uh, one Mr. Andrew Wallace has been kind enough to gift a tier one sub to Otaku in setting up this morning stream. For some reason, changing a power supply changed all of, like, my streaming settings. I don't know how. I don't know why this has occurred. But my my stream deck could not get working. <laughs> I can't get it fed back into the audio chain that I had. And I had numerous issues getting my mic set up. So I'm going to try just playing it off on speakers. But, Andrew, thank you so much for supporting production on this stream. And, uh... Let's see if anyone can even hear this as I play this way too loud for my own office. Uh, fanfare of glory, uh, courtesy of one Mr. Barry Johnson, who sent me this stream deck and I will fix <laughs> how it's routed so that I can actually play. <laughs> I can actually play the audio in stream. I'm real good at doing the Twitch. Uh, So the the, the beeper mini situation is one where I'm exhausted talking about it. I I feel like I've said my piece. It is a terrible psychological hook. Apple designed iMessage to be a pain point for families. It uh, It is a continuing and ongoing social experiment just for Apple's profitability that makes everybody miserable. This isn't, this isn't an Apple versus Android thing at this point, or excuse me, it's not an iPhone user versus Android user thing at this point. It is designed so that iPhone owners will be dissatisfied with the product that they spent a lot of money on from Apple, but instead of criticizing Apple, they attack their Android using family and friends. And I can't really think of an uglier social experiment. I take that back. I can think of uglier social experiments, but they're like those terrible stories you hear when like a college sociology class or psychology class says, hey, let's recreate fascism in the classroom. And then students are terrible to each other. And it only takes like three days for like fascist ideology to completely win out as soon as you create a a winner and loser kind of society in the classroom. Um, I, I can't remember the last like aspect of, of that having been played out, but it's a common trope. There was a movie, The Wave, um, I think it was a German film, where they are like, hey, we just want to explore like, the ideology of fascism, so we're going to create an in-group and an out-group, and then, of course, like kids die. <laughs> and you're like, whoa, that's really quick. So that would be uglier. iMessage is less ugly than that, but it's on sort of the same path. It's like at the beginning of the path. It's not at like the end of the path. (laughs) But you create in-group, out-group. You're a trillion-dollar company. You're going to make a ton of money. Samsung tried so desperately to make in-group, out-group for Galaxy phones, and they were not as successful as Apple. So, moving on. Um, The rest of these I want to hit just a little bit quicker because they've kind of been playing out over the last couple weeks. Um, (laughs) Fat produce. Service. Guarantee citizenship. Would you like to know more? Um, so uh, let me go into screen share and then we can just kind of, we can just kind of blow through a few of these here. Uh, so, uh, this one's coming by way of computer world written up by Johnny Evans, UK regulators to investigate Apple after it loses appeal. Uh, the UK competition and markets authority began investigating both companies. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm trying to get over just when they repeat the headline in the article, Um, looking at Apple and Google's dominance of the markets for mobile browsers and cloud gaming. Uh, They started investigating both companies last year. Part of the probe looked at how Apple might be restricting the cloud gaming market by restricting such spaces on its app store. So now the EU, I'm sorry, the UK. Yes, the UK. This is specifically a UK investigation looking at how control of the browser market affects developers, the insistence that browser developers use WebKit, and Apple's refusal to permit cloud gaming services or portals on the App Store. So this is a nice little wedge issue where we could create another app market based on streaming, uh, web streaming services. So not only for gaming, but we could also look at, hey, like, uh, it's Microsoft 365 and then there's like Windows 365 but setting up like a cloud workstation that your phone could interact with to then install software and work remotely that way. And you could use it on a phone or an iPad or even on a MacBook if you just wanted a beefy system backing up whatever portal that you're working off of there. This is also gonna be an interesting play where everything on the iPhone has to be WebKit. And we've seen over this year, if you've been paying attention to the news that we've been talking about on this podcast, over this year, boy, Safari just has not had a great year for things like security and stability. <laughs> Apple's been pretty good about getting some patches out there a bit more aggressively than I think we've seen in years past. But um, we just keep finding exploits and data leaks and, and uh, some really nasty bugs that keep cropping up um, on various, uh, uh, various generations of iOS and Mac and, uh, macOS. So it would be of a consumer's benefit to say, well, maybe I want to install Firefox, but Firefox on the iPhone is really just kind of a wrapper on a WebKit browser. So it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty interesting to see that from like the security side, this is another aspect where Apple wants, Apple wants a cut. Apple wants to pay just to gatekeep because literally Apple is doing nothing. If it's a cloud gaming service it's not running on Apple servers. Apple contributes nothing to the development or the sustainability of that business model. They are only there to take a cut of your business just to have access to iPhone and iPad owners and users. So at some point, I feel it's correct for a regulator regulator to say, what are you doing in this space? And is that a a harm is that harmful to competition from the outside. I think many people would sort of nod and agree (laughs) back to the United States. Apple faces growing likelihood of DOJ antitrust suit. So right on the heels of, or I guess um, before uh, the beeper mini thing blew up, we're still seeing this, this exact article from Politico written up by Josh Sisko, actually was written up in August But this is still something that we're watching play out um, as a... Hold on, I'm trying to find... I had a quote and then I scrolled back up. So this is wrapped up in several business practices. And I'm I'm very confident that the beeper mini situation is going to influence this specific investigation. Uh, Justice Department has been investigating Apple since 2019. For four years now, the DOJ has been investigating Apple over allegations that it abused its market power to stifle smaller tech companies, including app developers and competing hardware makers. As the investigation has progressed, a suit has become increasingly likely, but the move to drafting sections of the suit is a significant step forward in this process. So the steps for this started playing out In August, and we're starting to see a little bit more traction on that because one of the things that is also going to be brought up in this suit is how Apple still hasn't fixed the iPhone to work with third party location trackers. So, this is uh, something I wrote up in August. We all suffer when Apple products don't just work because back in May, Google announced that they were going to be updating their Find My Phone service. And turning that into a similar location tracking service as what Apple did with AirTags. AirTags have been a miserable and a terrible um, blight on privacy and security. Apple delivered a product at scale that was not ready to go. And the, the potential for abuse was significant. And they ignored that. I'm putting motive on Apple executives, not on Apple engineers. I'm very confident that Apple engineers could have solved this problem with a little bit more time and by going through the correct process of interacting with standards organizations. If Apple is going to be allowed to use Bluetooth in their products, then they should contribute to the hundreds of companies that are part of the Bluetooth special interests group to define the future of that standard for better interoperability and better security. If Apple doesn't want to contribute to the special interests group, that's fine. But then Apple should not be allowed to use Bluetooth. You see how this works. You become a part of the system. You can't just take all of the knowledge from that system and then break compatibility for your own profitability. That's not how a standard works. So the second you say something like this and someone goes, I just don't see why Apple should be forced to make their competitors' products better. That's totally fine to feel that way. But then Apple should not be allowed to use standards like Bluetooth and Wi-Fi. If they want to build their own and get FCC approvals and licensing deals and work with all of their accessory developers and create all of that from scratch in ways that won't step on all of the intellectual property and all of the patents of all those other companies, I wish them well. Go do it. But if you're going to use Bluetooth and you're going to put out a product at scale that uses Bluetooth to harm consumers, (laughs) then you should probably be tagged by the Department of Justice. (laughs) You see how that works. So we still don't have Android trackers. I put in orders in June for a Chipolo and a Pebblebee. I want to see what we can do with Android tracking because there are so many more Android devices out there in many markets especially throughout the EU and uh, like around in Africa and uh, the Middle East and and in Asian countries, like an Android built tracker network like AirTags would be incredible because in those markets, Apple's only like 20 to 30% market share and AirTags work great. So imagine when you have 70% of the market Interoperating between different Android brands, all sharing a common backbone to say, hey, this is where your thing is going. The accuracy on that should be three times better than what Apple can achieve. But of course, if Apple uh, if Google had just done what Apple did without any care or concern for iPhone users, Google would rightly have been tagged for creating a security nightmare. We would have seen headlines across all news and tech publications. It would have been on, like, local morning news on your television, on, like, Channel 5, whatever your local, like, CBS affiliate or local news channel would be. Correctly, everyone would be freaking out that Google created this security nightmare. But we didn't get a ton of that With Apple, and Apple has been allowed to continue selling AirTags because Google fixed part of the issue with AirTags for Android users. Apple didn't fix it, Google had to fix it. So now, for Google's tracker network to work, we have to wait for Apple to do that too. So I I filed a complaint with the FTC. I would recommend everyone else do too. Not that it needed to be fixed immediately, there has been no disclosure of a timeline. So all of these companies and all of these products and all of these accessories and all of us Android users are on hold until Apple eventually gets around to updating the iPhone. It's just real hard. You know, Apple engineers can't figure out how to add a little Bluetooth trigger that notifies an iPhone user when a Bluetooth tracker is in their proximity. It's really tough, guys. You know, Google did it in a month, but it's... It's just real, real tough. I just don't know when we'll get around to it. So you just keep on waiting. And they're still allowed to sell AirTags. They're the de facto tracker standard because they're the ones holding up their competition. So four years, the Department of Justice has been investigating Apple business practices. And we're kind of getting into gear for filing (laughs) some grievances. you're like, great. That's great. The wheels of justice be turning, folks. <laughs> Here we go. It's, it's, it's awesome. I, I love that we have a functioning <laughs> legal system that can anticipate the harms and damages of, of new technologies entering the market. It's hilarious. I'm going to take a drink of water. yeah gormlord so they're the sovereign citizens of tech um but one i like when my parasocial friend tim apple who represents me the little guy gets a multi-billion dollar bonus he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna make his bonuses this year even with kind of an odd year for uh you know for this situation So, Kioterasanti, I'm so sorry. I always do that to your name. I suck so bad. Kioterasanti. (laughs) A product like AirTag can be a double-edged sword. How do you stop ill intent without letting a a thief know they're being tracked, I guess? Um, Without letting a thief, I think you mean without letting a thief know is being tracked. The, the, the purpose of a product is to notify the owner of the product's location. That could be through simple misplacing or losing the product, or it could be that someone stole the product. In, in the way that Bluetooth currently operates, this is fascinating stuff. And I really wish more people, like I, in this chat right now, uh, you know, I've got geeks that would maybe be interested in this, but go to the Bluetooth special interest group and look at some of the individual modules of Bluetooth. Apple could have contributed to the spec for Bluetooth 5.3 and Bluetooth 5.4 to really make this work. But what Apple is using, as far as I can untangle, is a part of like a warehouse tracking. You know, so we can track product in a warehouse using these short-range radio communication features. You've also noticed um, really uh, high-dollar, high-value products like on FedEx are now starting to ship with these, like, tags attached to them um, so that you can kind of keep track of what. so, So your costs are higher as a consumer when you ship on FedEx, but one of the services that they can provide is, you know, much, much more accurate location tracking for where your, your package is. So th- these types of things have manifested in the space before. So Apple is piggybacking on something that isn't quite what they're selling in the AirTag, and then they're using some, apple, some special Apple sauce to kind of round out the edges and make it a more consumer-facing product. You can't. I don't believe there is a way to make it more secure for the consumers who are using these products in good faith without notifying a thief that the product is being tracked or that they are being followed. But that's not our concern. Our concern is, can the owner locate the product? They lost it or it was stolen. That kind of doesn't matter. The whole purpose of that location tag, that location tracker is, where did the thing go? Where did it end up? And to me, That would be an additional level of deterrence against people stealing things. Someone steals your laptop bag and you've got an Android Chipolo or an Android Pebblebee tracker, that tracker has to emit a signal that the thief's phone is going to say, hey, by the way, there's something tracking you. And I believe the thief would probably correctly assess that, oh, it's the stuff that I just stole. And I'm actively being watched right now. And now people know where this thing is. You can take the time to try and dig through this laptop b- bag to find what the tracker might be. And it could look like anything. There, you, know, you might go starting to look for, you know, uh, uh, you might be looking for like an AirTag. But we all know that in other tracker land, I've got this, this is old. All, all the batteries are dead in them. It could look like something like a credit card. So you just have a black card sort of slipped somewhere in your laptop bag. They might not be able to find this. It could look like some kind of keychain, like a tile. So you have like a tile track, (laughs) tile tracker. You see, I've had these things in arm's reach because I've been waiting for Apple to eventually update the iPhone so that I can get my pre-orders, the money that I've already assigned to Chipolo and Pebblebee trackers, to do a roundup on different tracker services, which is content I can't make for you because Apple sucks so bad. (laughs) Because Apple is engaged in anti-consumer and anti-competitive business practices that harm the market to their financial benefit, which should be the F illegal. So I'm sorry, Kyoto Sarasanti, I'm not coming down hard on your question. I am aggravated because of the situation with Apple. But to me, the whole point of having this tracker or being able to build this tracker hardware into a pair of earbuds, we're starting to see. You know, a couple people are licensing uh, my um, my e-bike videos. Those uh, those e-bikes, the newer models have the capability to communicate with Apple's Find My network. That is a positive step. The technology is cool. I just want the technology to be more fairly distributed across different platforms so that. Everybody has a chance to use this kind of stuff, but if someone steals one of my bikes, I don't. I didn't even need to do anything. To, I didn't need to add an air tag. It is a rolling air tag. So yes, I want that thief to know that they're being tracked somehow. Let them spend time scouring my bike and trying to dig into all the nooks and crannies to see if they can find where that air tag might be. When the bike's frame is the air tag. It gives me the opportunity to potentially catch them or find them or figure out what's going on. So, you know, whether or not we let the thief know they're being tracked, I actually think it's kind of a benefit to let them see that they're being tracked. And then I think people would be less inclined to just try and rip off product from people. You know, I love when people are like, oh, they stole this phone and then they saw it was an Android phone and they gave it back to them iOS devices are pretty easy to lock down remote. It's kind of a stupid thing to steal. (laughs) You have to hope that the person you're stealing from, I mean, I'm sure it works out enough that they still steal iPhones and iPads and stuff, but you just have to hope that they're dumb enough to never have set up any security on their iPhone or iPad. I don't think that's a great business model for a thief. I think you'd probably want something different there. (laughs) Sorry, I'm trying to catch up on, on the rest of, of this, uh, on, on the rest of the chat here. Give me just a second. Yeah, see, Dave Burns also said that notification may also act as a deterrent. Um, I, I think it would more often act as a deterrent. And maybe they do something reckless or destructive. They throw it in a pool or they try and get rid of it by du- shoving it into a garbage can. At that point, it's also just mutually assured. Like, you tried to steal my stuff. You didn't get to use it that's all I really care about after a point. Maybe I'm able to recover it. Maybe not, but I feel better knowing that you couldn't use something that you stole from me. Um 80. I need a cheap, great asset tracker. My employees are terrible at returning their equipment. So the thing is, you know, It probably won't be super cheap. You can look at other Bluetooth solutions. There are warehouse and equipment tracking solutions available. It's built into Bluetooth 5.2, I think, was the the last major update to that protocol, that, that part of it. Right now, the de facto answer is AirTags because you can't buy anything else. But if you can hold off just a bit, we're going to see a flood of competition as soon as Apple decides that they can update the iPhone. Um, like all of the brands are looking at multiple. And like I just showed, not just an air tag, but other form factors like the tile card form factor, Chipolo and Pebblebee are also working on stuff like that too. I would be shocked if Google doesn't have sort of a first party solution at some point I would hold off a bit because I actually think that the Android version of this is going to be more robust, have more devices participating, is going to be much more easily incorporated into um, other accessories technologies. Like when this happens, Qualcomm is going to have a huge interest in the next generation of earbuds and earbud cases. So part of like, The Bluetooth stack and the little chips that they use in your earbuds will also contribute to these networks significantly more aggressively than what Apple can do because Apple is turning this into a licensing point. I don't think Google is going to aggressively squeeze their partners for money to be a part of this tracking network. Instead, they're going to reach out to like Qualcomm and say, hey, make a Bluetooth chip. And then any pair of headphones will also be a part of this network so that you can see where you lost your earbuds. And then they're just going to run for it. So if you can hold off on making a purchase until this this really does launch at scale, I think the longer-term outlook, I think the Android side of this is probably going to be the better buy, which is why Apple is digging in their heels and preventing competition from happening. Um... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, see yeah, kind of like I'm with you there. Dave Burns, like most other monopolies, competition is for chumps. Let's just break the market. <laughs> JGJ, I think this rant warrants a separate video. I know you got the article, but some viewers are visual. Actually, my article is out of date. Um, I need to update that too. Um, I, I'm honestly just holding, waiting to see if Apple makes their deadline. Google put out a press release saying, hey, we're going to hold off on our network until Apple updates the iPhone to better protect iOS users, and we expect that to happen before the end of the year. So Apple's got 12 days. (laughs) The 12 days of waiting for Apple to update the iPhone. On the first day of... On the first day of waiting for Apple to update the iPhone... I still don't have a tracker. <laughs> Otaku, check out the SGG podcast for more thief tips. You got to up your game, thieves, uh, cuz we're looking at you. We're actively watching where you're going with our stuff. It's adorable, but the whole cat and mouse, the arms arms race between, you know, people getting things stolen from them and people stealing things. Uh if you think like a criminal, (laughs) you do a better job of protecting your stuff. And, uh, you know, the more we talk about how thieves might circumvent certain types of, uh, protection on products should help consumers go, Oh, well, if I can buy something really inexpensive and just kind of keep this in, in like my laptop bag, then that should help me recover it more easily. And uh, law enforcement is actually going to have to start caring about this kind of stuff because people. I, I I love pointing out one of the stories. Um, when when I was doing those Velotric bike reviews, we had just uh, caught a news story here in 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 LA about a. I want to say she was like a teenage girl had her bike stolen, but she had like glued an air tag into her bike seat, and her parents were able to find the bike. So they went and just took it back, and you're like. Police don't care if your bike gets stolen. Police, they'll file a report and they'll write it down in a notebook. You know, like, oh, I just had my laptop stolen at the airport. Oh, that's terrible. Make sure you don't leave things out of your supervision and hope we can do something. I know where the thief is. He's over in this other terminal. Well, don't confront him. (laughs) We're like, but that's your job. When Marie's uh, I was doing an app test on it was terrible software and I totally understand why it was pulled from market but I was uh when when Marie had the Galaxy S4 I think it was the Galaxy S4 um there was an app that was like this parental management security app and it dug into everything on your phone but it also gave you these capabilities to do things like Message on the lock screen, uh, take photos from the cameras remotely um, it, it was it was constantly pinging so that you could track its location uh, and you could also do like remote wipe and 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 uh, format the the phone and uh, format the memory card. Marie had her phone stolen. she set it down at Costco, reached over, grabbed a few things, stepped away from it for a minute, and by the time she remembered turned around and we 're talking like minutes. Um, by the time she remembered and went back, the phone was gone. So we tracked this lady and, uh, we, we, I saw where she lived. I started messaging the lock screen. She was trying to unlock the phone. So we kept getting notifications that we were unlocked. She was trying to unlock the phone. And every time she tried to unlock the phone, it took a selfie. So I go to the Burbank police department cause it was the, the Costco and Burbank and they were freaking out. How do you have these pictures of this lady? Why are you spying on this woman? what's going on and you're like she stole my wife's phone i can show you where she lives you can't go and confront her you can't go and harass her we know she has the phone like here's the photo of her she has the phone there, there, we we strongly advise against it. so like okay well we'll just drive over there <laughs> I mean, like that's where we're at right now <laughs> So, um, hold on. We made it through DOJ. We made it through lawmakers. I had, thought I had one more or do I have two more? Oh yeah. Let me just knock out these back to back because this is, these are both, um, EU stories. One is an upcoming story. And the other one is, uh, is, uh, sort of in a regulatory victory. <laughs> like when you scare a company bad enough, they'll maybe just do the right thing. It's sort of, it's in the spirit of the season, right? The only way to scare, or the only way to change the behavior of a billionaire is to send ghosts after them to scare them so badly that they then appreciate human life. It's the story of A Christmas Carol, but with a trillion dollar market cap corporation. But first, the, the upcoming story, and this was from, I think, uh, four or five days ago, but also broke in the last week. Oh, I'm going to take a drink of coffee here. Oh, I didn't. I didn't mute my mic. Sorry, you just heard me slurping coffee. Uh, Apple to be hit by EU antitrust order in fight with Spotify. EU authorities uh, are putting the finishing touches to a decision that would prohibit Apple's practice of blocking music services. From pushing their users away from App Store to alternative subscription options, the report said, citing people familiar with the investigation. The decision is slated for early next year and Apple could face a fine as much as 10% of its annual sales. 10% on billions of dollars each quarter. Now we're finally getting somewhere. Now I feel an Apple executive might start paying attention. What was Apple's last quarterly? It was something like $40 billion, $48, something like that. Well, it's easy maybe for a company of Apple's size to like take a billion dollar hit in regulations and fines over the course of a year. Probably a little bit more difficult for them to field 3 to $5 billion violations each year quarter, because now that's like $20 billion, depending on how their sales go. And the more successful they are with this business practice, the more they're going to have to pay regulators. So I feel like that would be a pretty quick change to Apple's business practices and the way that they do business, where, again, I have a big problem. So if it's a service that Apple is hosting and is facilitating and is delivering the technologies for people to interact with, I feel like Apple deserves a bigger cut. Spotify runs their own servers. Netflix runs their own servers. You can try and come up with these sweetheart deals where Apple does give preferential treatment to some developers on their platform over other developers for how microtransactions and payments play out. Apple was not nearly as stupid as Google was in giving some developers preferential treatment, but they still did. And they still do. So... This has been one of the most ongoing, ridiculous, stupid, squeezed business practices from Apple's side. Spotify runs their own service, their own servers, and they don't want to give Apple a cut. If you can tell the consumer, go to thespotify.com and put in your billing information there, we'll charge you less because we don't have to pay for Apple's fee on top of your subscription. Win-win. Like, I I think that works. I think that's fair. And Apple has been trying to block the ability to do this easily or seamlessly on device. And so, again, I'm not a big fan of using, like, the whole, like, everything needs to be frictionless. But, again, we've got that kind of apathy of people are actively being charged more for some of these services just because they're sort of lazy. They just go directly through the portal on their iPhones. And then Apple is able to take kind of a bigger cut of products and services that have nothing to do with that. I am no fan of Facebook, but at the the very beginning of the pandemic meta before they were meta, the whole Facebook platform, they stopped charging fees on charitable donations. So you could set up some kind of charity and you could ask for donations. And Facebook was just facilitating the transfer of funds. They weren't taking money out of that. So then they started getting hit with all of these like really angry people about how much money their donations, how big a cut Facebook was taking out of the donations. And it turns out those were people who were donating through their iPhones and Apple was taking a cut. So Facebook started putting language in saying like, hey, we're not the ones doing this. When you donate through an iPhone, Apple takes 30%. And Apple threatened to pull all their apps for that disclosure. (laughs) So again, I'm angry at Apple. One, that's a terrible business practice that's really scummy so that they can manage their profitability at a time where we were just heading into the worst aspects of a global pandemic and shutdown and people were really hurting, but Apple needed to get their cut. Just a quick interjection here, folks. I love highlighting good work and talented people, producers and writers who deserve more attention. So here's a quick word from someone making cool stuff on the internet. I hope you check out what they have to offer. Thanks Juan Carlos for allowing me to be part of your show. And um, I want to introduce myself to you guys. My name is TK Bay and I've been doing YouTube for quite some time, almost 10 years now. And you can find me online by just looking for TK Bay either on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook. Uh, but the general consensus is uh, I'm a tech reviewer. I provide a an interesting way of approaching tech by uh, the same way you would actually go ask your friend for help. This is generally the consensus of how my channel runs. Um, I review anything from Android ios uh, pc computers scooters um, basically you know drones anything that you think of as consumer tech i generally try to get my hands on it and share with you guys my opinions and of course any troubleshooting or even tips and tricks that can help you enjoy your tech even better Uh, again thank you very much to Juan Carlos but if you'd like to check me out just look for at tkdsl8655 on instagram and twitter or tkbay in youtube and i'm also angry because apple is making me defend facebook (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> How dare you? So um, this is another one that the EU is saying, like, hey, that's pretty messed up. I, You know, if, if you can't offer alternative payments and services and stuff, then I, again, it seems like you're running a kind of anti-competitive, anti-consumer style uh, situation. And I again, in part of all of this, where Apple is trying to... Um, head off future issues and future regulatory concerns. The victory is Apple getting ahead of one of these by opening up Apple Pay. This is written up by, uh, John, also written up by Johnny Evans over at uh, Computer World. Um, hot on the heels of Epic's big App Store win against Google, Apple is now reportedly offering to open up Apple Pay's NFC tech to mobile payment rivals. This is another thing where Apple, they took The platform for NFC, they cut out everything in NFC except for what they wanted to be able to lock their users on, and then they've prevented anyone else from using the NFC on iPhones. Per my previous rant, I have a problem with that. NFC tech is this really helpful, useful, short-range trigger type of technology that can be really fun and it can be really helpful. So if Apple wants to have a short range tap to share some kind of information, they either need to support the standard and contribute to the standard, or they need to make their own and convince all of the retailers to use some kind of alternative shortwave radio tech. Thankfully, in seeing how other companies are starting to lose some of these fights in the international stage, this is a long time coming. If I want to go and tap and pay with my PayPal account, I should have the same access to the (laughs) NFC radio. (laughs) Like, this isn't, this isn't, like, tough. This isn't hard. This is, this is pretty open, you know, like, it should be pretty easy to kind of grok and figure out, like, oh, no, actually, you know, that sucks. (laughs) You should be able to do more. Um, I had another sort of parent interaction uh, after my, my daughter had a field trip last week, and again... I took a couple photos and I'm talking to the iPhone owners in the circle of family and like, there is no way for me to send you this photo. We had a, a holiday party. Uh, my, my wife's office had a holiday party and I took some really awesome night sight photos. One of the iPhone owners that is in our circle of friends through my wife's work is an amazing photographer. She's, she's a Nikon shooter. Um, she, I mean, like this woman has an eye and she is really good. She's got an iPhone 14 Pro Max. She's walking around to this holiday party, super dimly lit, just lots of ambient like Christmas lights and and Hanukkah arrangements and stuff like that. She's walking around with an LED panel to get photos from her iPhone because it's that dark. I took a photo of her and her family with the Pixel 8 Pro. Came out really well, came out a little noisy, a little grainy. But, like, the combination of Night Sight with the little face unblur, amazing. And it's ambient lit. It's nice and warm and, and, and kind of crunchy. And it's just, like, a, a really good emotional moment of that, of that holiday party. Had to email it to her. <laughs> there was no way for me to send her that photo because she has an iPhone. And gleefully, <laughs> this is, like, one of Marie's, like, bosses. And gleefully, I'm like, I just wish I could. Your phone's kind of broken, though. <laughs> And her son was like, well, yeah, but that's why you just need to have an iPhone. And then i are like, but then I wouldn't have the camera, would I, champ? <laughs> She's walking around with an LED panel. Okay, sorry. I'm taking a little too much schadenfreude glee over this. This is what I'm talking about. This The, the Ebenezer Scrooge that is Apple Incorporated. The company that funnels money into offshore accounts is technically a business located in Ireland to avoid tax payments and to get preferential treatment. The company that rips off other smaller companies IP to sell it at scale and then lobbies politicians for months to try and squeeze the the complaining company out of existence. The company that is responsible for the psychological disparity between blue bubbles and green bubbles, the company that is preventing cloud gaming from reaching any kind of scale on iOS devices and the company that breaks standards to prevent competition Seems like they're finally starting to get some regulatory guidance on their business practices. We need the three ghosts of Christmas past, Christmas present, and Christmas future to pay all of Apple's board members and all of Apple's shareholders a holiday visit (laughs) so that maybe in the future we can look at better practices that actually I think in the long run could help contribute to Apple's profitability by making these things a bigger part of the conversation in the same way that Steve Jobs regularly would take the stage and talk about standards. You see, when Apple contributes to a standard, they get to drive the future of that standard. If Apple had made the AirTag a broader product, instead of only looking at supporting the people who owned the newest iPhones, they would have been able to dictate the future of Bluetooth 5.3 and 5.4. If Apple contributed to standards, they could have driven the future of NFC. But, and and also similarly, very similarly, if Apple actually looked at safeguarding their users' messaging and they had gotten on board RCS, they would have been largely responsible for dictating the future of communication in North America, and that would have had far-reaching impact across the rest of the world. They could have said, this is what we want in RCS 10 years ago, and then they would have been the ones to benefit from it the most. But we would have had an open standard that everyone else could have contributed to. It just would have been a preferential treatment for Apple being one of the biggest players in this space. All of this manipulation from Apple reeks of that short-term profitability. Quarter by quarter, we want to see line go up. We're not going to invest in anything with longer term oversight. And for folks who are kind of concerned in the Samsung and Apple space, where like another year iPhones don't really seem to be much different, but I got to get a new one because my old one's starting to slow down a little. That's, that's a chore. That's not someone who's excited to buy the new iPhone. That's someone who's acquiescing because it's kind of what they have now. So they should just probably get the same thing they have, but they need a newer one. That's the death of, the consumer electronics market. People don't look at this stuff like we do. You know, the folks who are in this chat right now are like, "Yeah, I get excited about when this new tech comes out, or when a new phone is dropped, or when new, you know, cameras are delivered." And you're like, consumers don't though. For them, it's like, "Oh, I got to switch things over and transfer all my info and install apps, and it's such a pain." And that's sad. We want them to have more fun with this. We want them to kind of explore and 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 catch more of this stuff here. And and that can't happen if Apple is allowed to break <laughs> anything that they want and steal from anyone that they want and still be ridiculously profitable because of it. If you can cheat, yeah, you'll make more money. So whenever Apple cheats, we should see a a a, a level of response from the media that fits the market cap of the company. So when Samsung cheats, we should see some pretty heavy outrage. When Google cheats, we should see more outrage. And when Apple cheats, we should see more coverage and outrage than that. But I I think many would agree we see a disparity or or a, a change in the level of outrage that sort of befits just sort of an emotional... Attachment to these products—it's not really reflective of the company size, stature, or the the potential for harm created by these corporations. So, um, so yeah, J Man One Fifty. I can't believe that Christmas is this time next week. <laughs> I know, man. I it's blown my mind. This year has gone by way too quickly. Uh, Go Starscream. The more and more terrible things I hear about Apple, the more it makes me feel good about not supporting them. So it's I feel like if we actually reported on this stuff and we actually kind of examined the ramifications of these things, if people cared about voting with their wallet, this would be some of the data we could use to say, like, yeah, you're probably going to go and buy another iPhone, but maybe instead just try and run your iPhone a little longer. All the success that I've had telling people, like, just get yourself a battery replacement. Your iPhone's three years old. You're not doing anything new on your iPhone. You're not really, like, I had I had a mom at one of my daughter's soccer practices, and she needs to buy a new phone. Her, her I want to say she's on an iPhone 11 Pro. I might have that wrong. No, no. Yeah, my, it was an iPhone 11, I think. Anyway, doesn't matter. Um, and she's like, oh, I was going to say it. And you're like, but are you wanting to do these new things? Like, if you go and buy an iPhone 15 Pro, are you wanting to shoot more video or take more photos? And she was like, well, I mean, the cameras are better, though. And I said, well, like, what was the last photo you took on your iPhone? <laughs> it was like two months ago. This woman does not use her camera. She had, like, a couple dozen photos for having used on the phone. I, I don't know what she might have ba- backed up or removed, but, like, that's not going to change. <laughs> You're not a photographer. Uh, buying an iPhone 15 Pro isn't going to magically, like, turn you into some kind of cinematographer. You know, you could go to the Genius Bar and just ask them to swap the battery, probably be under 100 bucks, and your phone's going to run, like, brand new again. But I'm almost positive that this holiday season she's she's going to grab herself an iPhone 15 Pro. <laughs> like, okay, I tried. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's pretty rough. Um, these kinds of conversations just get so personal because I am actively trying to criticize two of the world's largest uh, electronics manufacturers. I'm regularly trying to divide... The departments within these companies like saying, I, I have no doubt Apple engineers could do this way better, but it's Apple executives who are putting on pressure to do these anti-competitive uh, things with the market. Um, same thing with Google. I have very little faith in Google's executive leadership right now. I feel like it is not just fair, but it's necessary that we start criticizing some of the moves from the world's largest advertising platform and marketing platform and kind of the source of a lot of our ire over things like search and privacy and security. But then I see like there are talented engineers and developers and coders under the umbrella who I think probably could solve these problems more effectively if uh, they had the autonomy to do so. You know, I can point some snark at Tim Cook, um, but that doesn't, reflect my feelings on you know the team of Apple silicon engineers. I feel like they're doing amazing work right now. So if we could start highlighting there's a problem, where did that problem come from? Well it came from Schiller. Schiller under oath had to testify at the Epic case that he really did put a wall on iMessage to make it more difficult for families to buy other phones. Craig Federici also has email saying, hey Don't make an iMessage for Android. We need the lock-in. It needs to be a massive pain point. (laughs) Okay. Apple engineers saw how to solve the problem, and Apple executives stopped them from doing so. And that is a critical part of this conversation. I want us to be able to appropriately affect change and improve these situations and conditions for... How that might manifest as consumers use these use these products and use these devices, so um let me find there was someone else you just brought up at the very beginning of the podcast over an hour and twenty minutes ago. Uh, Pakistan had a question uh, a question about the v fifty can you run the dual screen case? plus desktop mode. Just curious if it's disabled or if it will try and hit the max resolution supported by the SoC. So when you take a V50, do I have my V50 on the desk still? So the V50 has screen plus, and it also has this fold-out case. This is the international model. In the United States, we didn't really get a V50, we got a V450. So you can't use the United States V50s with the dual display case. But um, when you're dual displaying and then you plug in a cable to run screen plus the dual display case shuts off. So like any other Android phone, you only get two screens, the phone screen, the main phone screen, and an alternative uh, view output. Um, I don't know of any device that can support, any Android device that can support multiple monitors, and I believe that's a limitation of Qualcomm's hardware, because similarly, my RoboLincala, that really nice uh, Windows on ARM tablet, I really love that tablet, Uh, it can only run two displays at a time. So either you can use the built-in display on the tablet and and an external monitor, or you can disable the, the tablet monitor and run two external displays. But just like Qualcomm on Android, it's only dual display. I, I don't know of any ARM-based product that can run more than two screens. And hopefully that's something that can be changed or addressed. Uh, it would be nice to get a little bit more um, support for these kind of uh, more aggressive compute uses for mobile products. You know, I know I, I keep harping on about DeX and Ready For and some of the alternative game modes from Asus and, and ROG, uh, Asus ROG and uh, Red Magic. But until consumers know about this stuff and really start using it, it's, you know, it's kind of a no-go. It's actually one of the things um, I should uh, just kind of circle back. Let's do a little housekeeping. <laughs> Yeah, like I normally do at the top of the, of the podcast. Um, so the, uh, I did a video on the Pixel 8 Video Boost. Just some samples. I'm not doing any commentary on this. This is kind of fascinating. Um, but I did explain some of what I was seeing in the uh, article that I wrote on Patreon. So if you just go to my YouTube channel, you'll see the video. It's the full resolution, what I could share. But I've got some additional thoughts on the Patreon, just to kind of flesh out what I'm seeing. That's going to be a part, now that I finally have Video Boost, I can start finishing the Pixel 8 Pro camera deep dive. Um, I'm almost done with the OnePlus Open camera deep dive, but we're going to kind of wrap up this generation of 2023 on those two phones before then we have to start moving on to the phones that were just recently launched, like the iQoo 12 and uh, the Snapdragon 8 Gen 3. So I have the proper by the Benchmarks uh, article out on Patreon.com slash SomeGadgetGuy, and I go through all of my testing. We've got, uh, of course, Geekbench scores, which are really interesting to see how big those bar graphs are getting for Geekbench. Um, but on top of that, uh, I do my normal roundup of tests on video editing and rendering, audio editing and rendering, batch photo processing, uh, stabilization. I'm not really doing the stabilization test as much, but like video rendering, video trimming, and what am I missing? Oh, file compression. I run the RAR test bench for file compression. I'm trying something a little different with gaming. So my game testing is very low level. I like playing a bunch of certain kinds of games. I don't benchmark Genshin impact i just don't care um i'm not a big fan of like fortnite or cod you know fortnite mobile or cod mobile i just that's not what i'm into so in the past i've shown you know like a couple different games and oh you can see in the map sequences on um what what is the name of that rpg uh Battle chasers. You can see, like, oh, when you're in an, a combat situation, you get this incredibly high frame rate, but when you're walking around the map, it chugs at, like, 30 frames per second. Well, over the last couple of years, those have improved. Oh, I'm really into this twin-stick shooter. It is a very difficult game for an Android phone to properly represent all of the little characters on screen. Over the last couple of generations, that's improved a whole bunch. So I'm trying to find more aggressive ways to test, and I want to find... I want to find games that we can talk about better optimization... Like, app developers who are really doing a good job of putting these games out for mobile, um, not just, can I brute force some kind of uh, emulated type of game? The stupid high performance of our next-generation chipsets... Like, we're seeing, like, 30% improvements year over year for GPU performance. So I took a stab at a new game for my game testing and running it at a ridiculously high frame rate. Like, something that I don't I don't know many people would really want or need to do, but something that absolutely eclipses what I can do on my Steam Deck. Like, my Steam Deck is, is literally not capable of doing this under any situation, under any circumstances. And I just did it on the IQ 12. <laughs> I just did this on the Snapdragon H Gen 3. I am actively hoping that in 2025, we finally get a Steam Deck Mark II that is ARM-based. Not x86, not an AMD APU. If it's an AMD chip, great. But what we can do with mobile graphics processing, I'm pulling down numbers that are higher in well-optimized games. I'm pulling down numbers that are significantly higher than running a GTX 1050 Ti. That's an 80-watt dedicated GPU on a phone that should not be hitting eight watts of power. (laughs) One-tenth of the battery draw for similar to higher performance on games that are well-optimized for... uh, for for Android devices, so I I I'm kind of like buzzing a little bit. The the GTA definitive trilogy looks the best on Android. Now that's a very low bar because the GTA definitive trilogy looks kind of garbage when you play it on PC, um, but it looks somehow better when you get it from Netflix. Uh, Hades is going to be going to Netflix uh, dead cells is on Netflix. Like we're starting to see, like there can be other ways to monetize and get, um, the last life for a game. You know, you, you, it started out as an indie game on PC and then it got a really good port to the Nintendo switch. And then as the sales start to fall, there can be a last life putting it on Android and iOS. And maybe it's through Google directly, or it's through Netflix or some other type of game streaming or some other kind of solution. But this is this is a good way, especially if you're a patient gamer. Like, if you're not out there buying games brand new because you want to spend all the money to be one of the first players to play that game, if you wait just a little bit, you can get some great deals. And the entire scene there has actually kind of exploded over this last year, or I would say over the last two years. Um, what, we, what we have access to is now growing substantially. And I think Apple has actually helped contribute to that. You know, they say, showing an iPhone playing Resident Evil is a step in the right direction. It gets more developers interested in the potential for what can we do with a with IP? What can we do with a last a last life strategy to get people to give us more money for this content for this IP? So that's also on the Patreon right now too. You can get a, the full scoop on all of the performance and all of the the uh, the benchmarking. One of the things I might do for emulating, and I'm I'm very anxious on. I'm very anxious on adding this to my test suite because it's a part of Android that is aggressively updating, but I might start looking at some kind of tests for Winlader. Winlader just got updated to 3.2. It is actually improving a lot of... I don't know if I can get it running just right away on this. I have a... Oh, whoops! That's my camera. Let's get that out of the way. So I have it running on my OnePlus Open, and it's not running well on my OnePlus Open. Um, I think it might be an issue with like real estate and uh, screen aspect ratio and stuff. I, I haven't tweaked it enough to figure out what I'm doing wrong, but it's just a a Windows emulation running shockingly well, even with, like, touchscreen, mouse, and keyboard controls, and it interacts directly with your file system, so you don't have to, like, dual-boot something or launch a really complicated container shell. Um, So I might start looking at just proper Windows programs to add to my benchmarking, and just, like, hey, if I can install GIMP, and I can do this ridiculous, like, multi-layered art project in GIMP, and then I can time how long it takes to produce that art project then I can just run that. (laughs) I can just run Windows and start benchmarking Windows programs on my Android phones. So maybe that's what we do next. (laughs) I just want to find some other ways that we can add some idea of, like, what... I I, I don't even necessarily want to do, like, game emulation benchmarks. Like, someone... Who was it? Pakostin. RPCS3. So we have an emulator for the PlayStation 3. That's insane. And it's running surprisingly well on HN2s. Like, I'm playing games. Um, what was the one that I really liked? Dead Nation. Twin Stick Shooter. I love Twin Stick Shooters. But um, Combat uh, Zombie Apocalyptic Twin Stick Shooter. And that game, I love that game. I'm not going to haul my PS3 out of storage just to replay that game. But I'm keeping, like, mid-20s in the frame rate. It's almost like totally playable. It's just when you get a ton of enemies on screen, and there are these certain zombies that kind of call little minion, and once they start swarming, your frame rate crashes to like 10. It becomes a slideshow, and that's where you need your most aggressive, like Twitch, you know, like being able to respond and kill all those zombies. But on an HN3, it's getting better. <laughs> so we're so close for that being like a really solid emulating kind of solution. It's pretty great. So um, I'm instead looking at, like, what kind of productivity software, what kind of art or design or content creation software. If I can run it on Android, um, I might start adding that to the benchmarking list also. Um... So to note on the numbers, rendering and effects could be completely different on Android compared to PCs. Textures are definitely updated on those ports, but unless we can run something like Box86 or Box64 on the ARM hardware, direct comparison of the ports is not possible. So that's true. Um, I, I can only speak to sort of the, 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 the quality of the experience as it pertains to what I can see with the human eye but that's also why I'm trying to highlight game developers that I feel are doing a good job of managing those ports. So when you go into something like, um, like one of the, the games that I'm trying to benchmark right now, you can go in and you can toggle a lot of the same settings like chromatic aberration and your field of view and VSync and things like that. Um, we have had games in the past that have very PC like controls for textures and for quality settings and for, um, lighting uh, for lighting settings. And so when we can do that, I feel we've got a closer comparative examination of how, how all these things can go down. When you switch between like x86 or x64, and when you switch between computers and phones, you're never going to get a true oranges to oranges experience, but for that if a developer is able to optimize for one platform i think it's still worth showing i think it's still worth sharing like for example the the gta definitive trilogy you know uh, gta3 era uh, of of grand theft auto games um people picking it up and playing it on mobile are talking about so i very much believe the people who are really flipping out about the quality of improvements on mobile Probably haven't kept up with all of the updates. Like the definitive trilogy came out and was kind of garbage. I think a couple people dabbled with it, it didn't really do it for them. And then they just sort of left it and they didn't follow how it was updated, how it was improved, how it was patched, bug fixes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so now I think they're coming back in on mobile and they're getting the full scope of all of those improvements. And then they're flipping out like, oh my gosh, why is this playing so much better on my phone than it was on my PC from like two or three, two, blah, 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 two years ago. Those kinds of things I still think are instructive. I do the same thing with video editing. It's not a fair test. It's an Android app versus I use DaVinci Resolve. But for me, it's instructive to say, at the end of all of this, I've painstakingly tried to go frame by frame to match the two projects. I have the same transitions, the same watermark, the same soundtrack, and this is what a PC is gonna do on a free editing program, DaVinci Resolve, versus a 20 or a $30 purchase for LumaFusion. And then if you want it to go even faster, you can spend hundreds of dollars to buy uh, DaVinci Resolve Studio so that it can use your GPU. But at the end of the day, I feel what the consumer cares about is could they get the video? Could you finish the project? Did, did you, were you able to edit and render the thing? And when you do you can see how competitive phones have gotten with a program that is really well optimized for mobile versus a program that is well optimized for desktop. And that I think is kind of a fair comparison point for the output. The output is exceedingly similar. The audio quality settings favor <laughs> the phone, but when, when I match them on my PC, that should make the PC's job even easier in putting out that, that information. You know, if I'm at a 50 megabit per second data rate, well, then my PC should do that pretty well. So it's, I understand your point. You know, like can't you can't say it's a direct comparison, but at the end of all of this, what I want is sort of a, a comparison of output. Is the output good enough on a game for people to not care? Like, are the textures close enough that you can't really see those distinct differences? Are we starting to get things like better ambient lighting and our games starting to kind of take advantage of some of this ray tracing hardware then at some point sure but i think that also speaks to the whole market that we've had for uh GPUs in the desktop space where now uh services like DLSS or FSR from AMD creating this like upscaled frame generated effect for gaming well, are, are we so critical about textures and, and resolution and detail there? Because it seems like DLSS is kind of winning part of this conversation where you can upscale a piece of video or a piece of gaming. You're not brute force rendering you know, 1440p or 4K gaming. You're actually rendering 1080p gaming and then moving it. You're, you're up resing it to a larger screen. So if that's the conversation we're having in the PC space, I don't feel as bad comparing a mobile port to a PC to look at these types of differences in the gaming experience. If it's a good game and it's rendered well and it performs well, then it's a good game that's rendered well and it performs well. Um, uh, do, 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 do. Oh, that's an interesting question, Michael Peppertek. I don't know. Uh, I have a question about the OnePlus Open. When you play back HDR in YouTube, do you have to go full screen to get it to play HDR? I noticed Samsung requires this on all of their devices. My Pixel phone, iPhone, Vivo, and other devices don't. I have honestly not paid attention to (laughs) whether or not that's something that plays out with YouTube, and I'm assuming you mean like through the YouTube app because I'm watching YouTube a lot on browsers these days. Um, let me, well, first of all, I've got to get out of WinLater. So that's that's something that we can do right now. And I, I don't know what a good HDR sample might be. Um, sample... <laughs> all right I just like the the. I searched for H I started searching for HDR and one of the first things that came back is stunning 4k HDR sample content um, <laughs> <laughs> so why don't we try something that's kind of a little wonderful 4k HDR 120 frame per second Dolby vision demo we'll, we'll click on that um, SoCal, Oop, no, let's turn that off That's stupid ad Video will play soon. Uh, Oh, there are three ads on this. I'm going to take a drink of coffee while we wait for this to to work out. All right. I don't think this is the actual, let's see, quality, auto quality. Now let's go advanced, 2160. It's going to apply to the current video, but it's not. Oh, this is definitely not 4K. come on. Oh yeah. I I don't know what, what the, the video is actually, or like where they got the sample of the video. Let me also turn up my screen brightness a little. Oh wait, maybe that just did it. I think it just clicked over. It looks a little sharper. So I full screen. Yeah. I don't know that it's looking any different when I go full screen or not. So I would imagine that OnePlus is not forcing. No, I think this is probably just playing straight. Um, so to your 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 question about uh, when you play back HDR on YouTube, do you have to go full screen to get it to play HDR? It looks like it's just working fine. Um, so uh, if I just have the video playing in the YouTube app and it's playing like kind of in that PC style window, I don't know why I don't just try and show this. Um, so here... So we've got that just kind of playing, try and hold it a little closer to my face, just playing like that. And then when I full screen it, it looks pretty much the same. So I think it's probably fine. That sounds like a really funky thing from Samsung. Um, So I'm not sure why that would be different. Uh, But again, my issues and ire with Samsung, I wouldn't be surprised if they just have some kind of arbitrary limit on how they handle HDR content jman 150 is saying to check my posture, while Simon says Hypno says I need to stretch. And jman 150 says stretch. And Kyodorusanti says to hydrate, so give me a second just to drink some water. The SGGQA podcast is brought to you in part by Me Audio. So here's the deal. If you've ever seen me in a live stream or in an interview or some other kind of video, you've probably seen me wearing some fancy earbuds. For the last couple years, my work buds have been almost exclusively from Me Audio. Excellent drivers, fantastic accessories, and both my wife and I had our ears scanned by the folks at Me Audio for custom molded ear tips. Super comfy. The MX line of pro in-ear monitors is one of the easiest lineups to understand, starting at $60 and built around actual professional use. Detailed sound and durable construction, but also with some fun options like customizable faceplates. Even if you're not working on stage or in studio, pro solutions like these are fantastic audio options and they don't need to break the bank. And the company also supports a lineup of consumer gear with options for true wireless and noise-canceling Bluetooth earbuds, adapters for TVs to stream your audio to nicer headphones, and headsets for kids to help control the volume on fresh, developing ears. I can't stress that last one enough, We have to start kids out with healthier listening habits. It's a great combo, high-quality audio gear built by a team of folks with recording-grade use in mind, but at consumer-friendly prices. But of course, I can do you one better. If you shop the kit at meaudio.com and use promo code SOMEGADGETGY at checkout, you can save an additional 10% over their already competitive prices. Once again, meaudio.com, M-E-E, audio.com. Shop some fun kit, promo code SOMEGADGETGY at checkout, 10% off. Keep your ears and your wallet happy at the same time. I want to thank the folks at meaudio for hooking up the promo code now. Let's get on with the show. And Pakostan, I should give Box64 Droid a go. You totally should. I'm having a blast playing with Winlater, just being able to, like, install programs. Like, I started with a bunch of old PC games, and that's fine. I mean, it's actually not that big of a deal, and, and often they're just so poorly optimized. Um, you, they don't play great. But um, it's been so much fun just going through and trying to install different apps and services and software. Play with some of this stuff. Box 64, looks like it's really fun. Uh, Michael Pepper Tech saying, nice, Samsung dims it and changes the look if it's in split screen, picture in picture or anything but uh, but full screen, basically. Uh, Actually, I wouldn't be surprised. Let me see. I wouldn't be surprised if HDR is broken. Come on, just unlock. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if HDR is broken on split screen because whatever the screen has to do to process, because it, it needs to change brightness and color settings and it's got to do something different. That Let's see if I... I'm going to try and do this live. This is probably going to fail trying to do it live. But let me just try and move my Firefox browser into split screen. And I think that looks dimmer. so i can't i can't quite determine here in this moment but with firefox up i was apparently searching for information on gas giants interesting Um, (laughs) the jovian cluster of planets here in our solar system Uh, let me move that over yeah, this is this is tough to do in this moment, especially with my studio lights down on me. I wouldn't be surprised if there's an issue where another app on screen does not require or there are issues or a conflict between how another app functions and HDR content unless some kind of global illumination setting is able to make everything brighter. I don't know. I am not qualified to comment on... those kinds of display settings yeah Paco's most of my libraries in good old games so I'm good to go most of my libraries on Steam but I have a pretty good collection of games on uh, on GOG on the GOG so I gotta gotta check that out and Tobias is saying my Xperia 1 Mark 4 works with HDR both in PC mode and full screen I think that sounds... Yeah, I mean, I, I would expect that it would. Uh, Sony's pretty good about supporting that kind of stuff too. Um, it, it's just really interesting to me like how far we've gone down this HDR evolution for content. It is still a tremendous challenge to properly produce content that will look good on a variety of platforms. When I play with HDR samples from phones, it's mostly going to look like garbage, So I can say like, okay, well, I usually work in like a rec 709 color space. Let me move over to BT 2020 and I can do this kind of conversion. Or maybe I pulled it from a log file and I want to hit it with this LUT. I want to export it to this. And as soon as I upload it to YouTube, I have no idea which phones or computers or tablets are going to look good. I really, I don't know. I'm an, I'm an audio guy by trade, but I do a lot of video editing just for all this. Um, that's why I've still sort of defaulted to maybe punching up some of the saturation and vibrance in my video, but, like, I'm mostly just working in a standard, an SDR uh, Rec. 709 uh, style uh, editing space, because it's so unpredictable. I, I genuinely don't know will this TV support it well? Am I looking at this standard? What if they've got this setting disabled? It, it's impossible to try and sort what's going to happen, but I can generally deliver a video that will generally look good on most displays if I'm not playing with HDR stuff. So it's, it's a head trip. It's really tricky stuff. So as we kind of close out the, the show, we're getting sort of to our last 10 minutes here. Um, Oh yeah, I did hear about this Gormlord. Sorry. Um, I I am keeping an eye out for this. Keep an eye out for Cassia. It's supposed to be a pretty good Windows emulator coming soon from the devs of Skyline Switch emulator. I am very anxious to see what they can do in this space too. But I mean, while you're waiting for Cassia, don't just wait. Uh, Definitely check out Winlater. Winlater is free. It's a free emulation setup. It's a wine and you can get in there and install software and play around a lot. It is so much more fun tinkering. It's the most fun I've had tinkering with a phone I think in months. Um, so with another player in the space, especially someone the 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 team who did Skyline, I'm very anxious to see what they can do. Uh, Michael PepperTech YouTube used to dim the video section of the app when the keyboard would pop open on my Samsung devices too. Super annoying typing in chat during live streams, but they seem to have fixed that in One UI six. I still have not had a chance to play with anything One UI 6. I probably won't get a chance to play with One UI 6 until I maybe test drive an S24 of some variety. I have no idea what my Samsung strategy is going to look like next year. I'm actively trying to maybe do fewer phones next year. I don't feel like I really tackled as many phones as I wanted to this year. And I think I'm probably going to try and restrict some of that, but then also focus more on... The extended conversation that I used to do a few more comparisons, a few more like feature articles and feature videos. Like there was a time where I like I got an experience and I would do a review and I would do a comparison. But then I'd also do like. What does it mean to have a four k display or what does this happen why Why does the camera do this or what can you do with audio and It would be like six or seven little mini videos before I would move on to the next phone and I kind of want to get back to that i want kind of want to get back into something that was a little bit more fun and explorational um when it came to these kinds of devices um, yeah. <laughs> Oh, you and me both, buddy. Um, Michael PepperTech. I'm fighting the urge to import the OnePlus 12 Chinese model right now. So, courtesy of TK Bay, I am borrowing his iQ 12. Um, man, this is hurting. I'm I'm actively restraining myself from throwing money at importers for not only uh, OnePlus 12 but also the Vivo. I want to play with that Vivo so bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's killing me. Um, I'm hoping that maybe Vivo PR will still hook up a review model, but I don't think I'll be on their first wave of reviewers. I, I want to see the international model come out whenever that might be. And then from there, if I haven't heard anything from them, I'm, I'm going to have to bite the bullet. I need to play with that X100 um, and not just borrow it from someone like, I'm probably going to be living in that phone for for quite a bit. So as we're kind of wrapping all this up, we've talked a lot about tech and, you know, some things like make sure you go and buy your family and friends Apple watches before they are pulled from store shelves um, or at least they're pulled from Apple's website for you to buy. But I was kind of curious to close out the show. Inadvertently, this became one of the heavier tech years for gifts in my circle of friends and family um a, a big part of it was you know like my brother and his wife they needed new phones my sister was complaining about not having enough space on her laptop to get some of her work done and so in in a really lovely way for a family that in in many many years past they really haven't been interested in much in what i do uh like I, I think they're they're sort of interested in some of the fun things and like they've heard seen some of my videos and stuff like that. I don't know how regularly my siblings watch any of my stuff, um. But uh, you know, like you worry, like hey, I've got really cool tech here. You could use it. This could be something of a benefit for you, and the response would always be sort of lackluster or sign of like, oh, okay, cool, yeah, I'll take that off your hands if you're not going to use it. Like they're doing me a favor, um. I don't mean to put that kind of motive on them, but you know, you get excited about something and you hand it to someone and you want to see them kind of get excited about it too. So this year, a lot of the gear that I've been using for a while, I was like, well, Hey, I've got a really nice portable monitor. Hey, you've got a newborn and you want better cameras on your phones. I've got some pixels. And like this year, there was a lot of excitement in piggybacking on some of my older stuff so that they could kind of upgrade what they were using. And it just kind of got me thinking tech is now become such a personal, unique experience. I find the idea of trying to gift tech to people kind of a maddening one because there's also a bit of presumption, you know, like, Hey, you want to use this thing? I got you this, this accessory, in years past i think it might have been more fun for ups supply chain solutions hold on guys i'm going to take this call on the hey we're calling uh that that was brilliant podcasting i'll cut this out of the audio version we're calling about a package you're getting from hong kong and it's listed as a bracket i don't i don't know what that is this is the 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 one of the toughest aspects of being a tech reviewer is like someone might be shipping me something and I genuinely don't know that they're sending it, so I had to get uh, the the actual UPS tracking number written out. Hold on, let me go look this up and I'll be able to tell you more about it. And do you have a phone number I can reach your extension? So it's uh it's it's it, 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 just a little behind the scenes, a little insight. So I I, I wanted to um. DTNL, I'll gladly take your $3,000 odysseys off your hands, Juan. You don't even have to ask me twice. Um, I I found this year was really unique that the idea of tech as a gift seemed to open up a bit more. Um, my, uh, My dad was asking for some gear that I thought was very surprising that my dad would be interested in that kind of stuff. Um, my mom just got herself a pixel tablet. So now we're looking like accessories and stuff when you're shopping something like that, have you had successes with like buying someone a case? Cause for me, like that's the kind of stuff I would love for someone to kind of share with, like, what is your idea of like a fun case for a phone? And I'd be game to like slap it on my phone for a while. I think, I think that could be kind of fun. But it's such a unique part of, like, the smartphone personal style of something that, like, if I gifted someone a case, I'm almost positive, for most of the people I know, I'm almost positive they'd be like, oh, hey, cool, thanks, and I'd never see them using that case. It's one of the reasons why, in a lot of my videos, you'll see things like, I've got a phone, and then there are just random stickers slapped on there, because I love letting my daughter just sort of sticker decoupage my phone cases like daddy. It's just a boring case. It's just black and plain. I want to put stickers on it. And you're like, go to town kid. This is going to be so much better for my videos. Having like neon roller skate on my OnePlus open I'm game. But those like when you, when you try to think about what someone else might use or what someone else might want, like, do you extend, do, do, do you put yourself out there as the gift giver to try and flesh out someone's strategy? Far too often I've done things like, hey, I really think this person could use a portable monitor. I am always excited about having more screen real estate. To me, this is like one of the biggest upgrades that you can give someone. And I wrap it all up and I hand it to them. They open it and they're like, oh, hey, this is cool. Thanks, man. Yeah, this is awesome. And then you're like, they're never going to use that. that. That went into their closet. They forgot about it the next time they took a trip. They're probably still complaining about how small their laptop screen is, but I guarantee you that thing never got used. For a while there, I was trying to give people like fitness bands and trackers. Like, I love the Fit series, and um, I-, I like tick watches and things like that. But they open it, and it's not an Apple Watch, and it's not a Fitbit. And you're like, oh, hey, this is cool. Yeah, I'll give this a try. Thanks, I really appreciate that. And you're like, this is exactly the thing that you said you needed. I really think this would be the right fit for you. But then they don't, they're not like game to try it. So this year was just kind of unique. Like it was just kind of the lineup of like, I've got some pixels here. I'm not going to be using them. I always feel bad selling review phones. Like I don't feel that's always appropriate. It's my own quirk. But like my brother and his wife, my new sister-in-law, they need better cameras for their newborn. Let's do this. Um, this, this year just felt like it was a little different. Like I think for my family, they were all a little bit more interested in maybe getting a few new accessories or a few new things to kind of flesh out, um, what they're already using. So I was just kind of curious, did you try gifting tech to anyone this year? Did, did you try and hook someone up with, you know, something big like a phone right now? I think that's a good buy for parents. Especially look around at your parents if they're rocking old, 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 old phones. The gift of a reconditioned or refurbished or just cleaned up phone that we're using would be a really nice, a really nice gift to kind of push that forward. Um, Some stuff like that. (laughs) Where did that come from? Kioturasanti is saying, he's hiding the waifu stickers with another sticker. I, I mean... You know, I wouldn't hide a waifu sticker. That's, that's not a thing. If I had one on there, I would just be sporting it. I just like my daughter's roller skate sticker. It's kind of nice. I've got a a, a Zotac sticker. I might give her just because I'm curious where, where it might end up. So like one of these little like Zotac guys, like holographic. Um, I love it that like eighties holograms and stuff are coming back big. It's like my daughter is decorating like notebooks and stuff with like, you know, these color wave and these uh, sort of 80s cyber effect. What do you call that? Where it's uh, lenticular. Um, So she's she's going crazy for this. She's like, this is all the stuff that was cool when I was a kid. I love it. So you're probably going to be seeing a lot of very colorful uh, sticker effects on my phones into the next year. JFR, if you have an extra Pixel 7, I can take that from you to upgrade my mom from her 4XL. Uh, Let's see, because I kind of just gave away a few phones. Um, I have a Pixel 5. (laughs) I don't know that that's an upgrade over your (laughs) 4XL. Simon says, Hypno, this is amazing. I love to hear this. Uh, Simon says, Hypno says, he got a Pixel 7 for his mom and a Moto G54 for dad. That's great. See, I think, like, moving up the chain, gifting to parents, for some reason in my head, seems easier than trying to gift for my siblings or for younger family members. Like, for younger family members this year has been like all about gift cards and like online stores. So many, like uh, we've been doing the PlayStation gift cards at Costco. Cause I think it's something like you get a hundred dollars worth of gift cards for like $85. So it's not a huge savings, but it's like, that's pretty good. If you're doing a lot of stuff on PlayStation, like get those holiday PlayStation gift cards. Um, but like lots of requests for things like, I want more Roblox bucks. And you're like, I can't do that for you, but I'll give you a Visa gift card. And then your parents can try to convince you to not spend a Visa gift card on Roblox. But I can't just go and buy you Roblox, Roblox bucks. That hurts my soul. <laughs> so there's been, been some of that. Um, Simon's has hypno socks and slippers for Christmas day itself. I'm tapped out. I need new slippers. I don't know if my wife is going to, is going to catch any of the end of this podcast. She usually watches like the intro. She doesn't stick around for like the end of the show. I I need a new pair of slippers. I had those really nice, like tan kind of leather, soft, uh, what, what's a, it's like a fake fur in inner material. I don't know what happened to them. They're gone. I think Lex played with them one time and then somehow they disappeared. I've never gotten them back, never found them. Um, but I, that, that, that to me would be an amazing gift. I, I love getting like socks, uh, you know, new boxers, fun new boxers. You want to like give me animal prints and stuff like that. It's hilarious. I think they're, they're funny and they're cute. I'm always down for like workout gear and stuff like that. So I, I get so much tech the tech itself is usually not the most fun gift. But for things like if someone wanted to like, hey, I know you have a Pixel 8 Pro, here's a wacky case that I found. You know, like um, how much I used to get into Rhino Shield cases because I would always ask them like, hey, if you're going to send me a review kit with a case, please send me the one with the little wiener dogs and sweaters because I think that is a delightful case to show on camera. Um, but, uh, you know, for actually fam- for actual family stuff... Uh, you, you don't need to buy me a lot of gear, but I'd still be down for things like memory cards, cables, chargers, batteries, like all that stuff would, would still really be a big help. Um, a DTNL, a friend of mine had a friend of mine over summer asked me for IEM recommendations. I just per- purchased a pair of cell notes, zeros, $25 uh, ish IEMs for their birthday. And they're really enjoying it. Um, I can't remember what earbuds I got my sister. This was before her son was born. Oh, no, it was even longer than that. So I want to say it was four years ago, maybe five. Anyway, they had like really, really cheap Bluetooth earbuds, like just the open ear, sit in your ear. That's what they were. I can't remember what I got her, but they were really nice dual driver cabled earbuds, and they both had pixel 4a's so they both still had headphone jacks and i got like it it was uh the 27th or the 28th i get this text from my sister like these sound so much better (laughs) yes merry christmas so i mean i've done stuff like that and they weren't like crazy pricey but i think they were like 50 dollar earbuds each but for a really good cabled i can't remember who made them that's gonna drive me nuts and that's another one, too. Like, I've got some Ecos still that I think I could gift out. They're still sealed. Um, they did, like, a, we're going to send you every single color of this earbud. And you're like, I'm not going to unbox eight different pairs of earbuds. But, you know, now I've got two pair that are still sealed up. I might need to give those away, too. Um, from Gormlord, I like shopping for my dad. He doesn't do a lot of tech, but he gets excited when I get him some fun tech. This year I got some smart electronics for his home office. I love that. Um, it's really fun when, oh, I don't even know that this thing existed. And you're like, yeah, I know. It's going to be super cool. Uh, I'm playing with a few other little things here. Uh, the folks at Canon sent over like their little webcam-y thing, whatever this Powershot, what is it called? The Powershot pick. And I'm playing with it. And actually there's someone I know who I think would really be into this. It's just like a cute little like vlogging style camera. You set it up and then it like tracks you. It's going to be an interesting fight because it's a lot more electronics, hardware and motors for something that a 360 degree camera can also probably pull off almost as well. Uh, But again, it's like these little experiences and these fun things. That's the kind of stuff I would want to share just to see someone go like, oh, hey, that's really cute. So, you know, it's even more fun when they don't even know like what's out there. Uh, from, from Malik, I didn't gift old tech, but I did upgrade my parents from an iPhone SE second gen to a, an iPhone 13 and a moto edge 2022 total cost $150 and adding a new line Malik goodbye. I actually have my, my moto, my moto edge plus right here, but the, uh, that sort of more mid-ranger moto edge. And the iPhone 13 is just mwah chef's kiss. I was talking to, um, cause I did like a holiday event with the folks at team pixel um, hashtag team pixel hashtag, any coverage of Google products brought to you from a gift from Google um, FTC uh, notifications, and they're not paying or sponsoring or influencing any of my editorial content beyond gifting me the device done. Uh, I was talking to uh, uh, two fitness and sports content creators, uh, people I've never seen their channels before, but they do really cool stuff. And we're chatting and you're like, they're both on iPhone 15s now. And they're both, and I was like, I kind of wish I could just go back to my 13 because the battery life was so much better. And I want to say, <laughs> we tr- when reviewers tackle this stuff, we should try to say, hey, it's more powerful, but that also means you don't get as much runtime. Um, but yeah, if you had to pick any older iPhone, the 13 is the champ. That is still, I think, the goat of battery performance for all phones ever made. And now, like, I think maybe some of the closest we can get for that would be something like a OnePlus 11 running that 8 Gen 2. Very, very well bought. Very, very well bought. Um, go, Star Screen. You know, you're getting old when you receive clothes for gifts. So, you know you're getting old when you receive clothes for gifts, and you really dig it. Like, not just, someone just buys me, like, a 10-pack of sports socks. That's, that's not exciting. What I get excited about is when someone finds me, like, wacky holiday socks. Um, my wife got me uh, Doctor Who socks, and it's just tortoises all over my socks. I'm here for it. My daughter found some Batman socks that I can't really wear ever because they have little capes. So so like you pull the sock all the way up and at the top of the sock hole is a little cape and it doesn't fit my pants right. <laughs> but they're adorable Batman socks and you just have these little capes flapping <laughs> off, off of your calves. Um JFR. <laughs> And again, you're like, we maybe need to teach our parents about gracious gift receiving, JFR. Uh, JFR says, I gave my mom an iPhone and an iPad. She took the iPad, but not the iPhone. (laughs) That's horrible. First of all, JFR, good on you. That is an amazing combo gift. I apologize for your mother lacking the social grace to receive the gift (laughs) appropriately. And to appreciate what you've done for her. (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. Sorry, man. It's like, no, I know what I want. I want that iPad. (laughs) See, Michael Pepper Tech, I love like continuing on the chain of tech. Every time I've upgraded my Apple Watch, I've gifted my old one to one of my parents. Like, I know we get caught up as reviewers. We get caught up in like, Well, we're going to talk about this product and the MSRP is this, but we also know there are going to be these great trade-in deals or these BOGO offers or these other ways that you can shop savvy. I worry that we've put so much pressure on the yearly FOMO trade-in deal for a lot of our tech enthusiast audiences here. We've missed the aftermarket effects of keeping good tech in the hands of people really using it. And you give someone an older phone and it becomes just like a media player or, you know, like a little gaming device or just something like that. That tech stays out of a landfill. It's not getting recycled where only some components can be really can really be pulled out and some rare earth elements can be rescued. And it lives on and it lives on in a way where that person didn't need to buy a lesser than device. You've heard me harp on about like LG phones. You know, I've got my LG V50 right here in front of me. And this is an astoundingly good media player. Like quad DAC, dual displays. The cameras are still pretty good. I don't know that I'd, I'd really rock a ton of video coverage from an LG today. Uh, but it's also an, an amazing audio recorder. Not just the mics built in, for, but for its ability to take a mic insert, or a mic input. Um, like this could be, A good replacement for a high-quality memo recorder, a high-quality DAP, a high-quality just portable media player. And it's a really, really old phone. It's an almost five-year-old phone now, but you could keep this out of a landfill, hand it to someone who's going to use it, and then they wouldn't have to buy a standalone MP3 player. Not only would they not need to buy one they would be kind of spoiled by how good this was at playing music. And then when they are in the market to shop for some kind of follow-up device, it would be significantly more expensive for them to replace what the quad DAC does well on a five-year-old LG. You can kind of spoil them, right? (laughs) So it's like keeping it going, you know? Like if you take care of your gear... And it's still in good condition. I, I wish we could get other members of our family to kind of appreciate that a little bit more. as you know people that like would receive that and would kind of go, oh, hey, cool, thanks. And then like never use it or they would throw it away or just end up in a drawer or maybe they try and sell it. And you're like, no, I want it. I, I want you to try this because I think you would really you would really use it. It would really be really be good for you, though. Oh, JFR, she's still in love with her Pixel 4 XL, but hey, I can't blame her, you know. I that's that's hilarious. So that's what my mom was doing for the longest time. For her, it was the OnePlus 6 and her iPad. And this year, she decided she wanted to try the the Pixel pad, so she went and got one of those. But I think she's, she's looking, if, if not now, but pretty soon, for flipping her phone and maybe getting something new. So I'll be curious to see where she ends up she might end up with like another OnePlus. She's just really liked her OnePlus 6 and it's lasted her a shockingly long time. 6 years. It's, it's it's she's been on that phone for 6 years. Oh, Dave Burns, I know, man. I'm just here holding on to my OnePlus 9 Pro for dear life waiting for whatever version of this phone is next to come. Everything that we've seen out of the OnePlus 12 coming out of uh, coming out of China looks like it's going to be pretty good. If the OnePlus 12 is basically just the OnePlus open, what does not open? I think we're in for a really strong year for the OnePlus 12. And I think now you would finally have a good upgrade path from the OnePlus 9 Pro. You would lose the ability to shoot 4K at 120 frames per second, but you would gain higher tier performance. You Hopefully we won't lose the video output from the USB-C port. The cameras will get a little bit better. Um, I don't like, what's funny is going from one plus nine to one, one plus nine pro to one plus 12 is kind of a lateral move. It's like, it took us all of those years to just replace the better ultra wide camera sensor. The one plus nine pro had one of the all time best ultra wide camera sensors that I don't think has been bested except for the Oppo Find X six pro. So you're finally moving on. You'll, you'll, you'll get kind of a comparable ultra-wide. You'll, you'll get a better low-light processing, main camera, but it's not going to shoot video as fast. And then you'll get a better telephoto. So if, if we just did nothing but take the OnePlus Open and turn it into a traditional slate phone, I think, I think you'll be in good territory. Uh, Pacostin, any of your relatives still happy with their Pixel 3As and 4As? My dad is still on a Pixel 4A, and I don't see anything that's changing his perspective on that. Like, he really digs that phone. My sister and her husband, at the beginning of this year, finally flipped their Pixel 4As. So they went from 4As to 7As. So that that they did finally upgrade, but... Um, My brother-in-law was on a Pixel 3A for the longest time, and I really think he'd still be on the 4A if it weren't for just like their lines. It was sort of like a like we could just do this at the same time, then we'd be on the same phone and same upgrade cycle. And uh, I I think that's the only reason why they they sort of made the jump the way they did. Uh, But they're they're still both super hardcore team Pixel. My brother was on an is still on an ancient Motorola. But now he's gonna switch over to the Pixel Six A. So yeah, um, those, the, the, especially the Pixel Four A, really long lived. And uh, I might um, one of my one of my niece's sons, phew, man, trying to figure out family dynamics. Um, they're starting to talk about a phone, and I have a Pixel Five A. That like, you know, you're going smartphone. This could be really good. So we'll we'll see if if they want to take me up on something like that. I, I still feel like the Pixel Five A is is like one of the all time best communicators ever built, and the Four A is pretty close second to that too. Uh, yeah. My dad is rocking a Moto Z Four forever. <laughs> I know, Andrew. That's hilarious. But I love that you were able to find him some Moto mods, and I also need to highlight this. Just a quick uh, stop here as we we finally kind of come to the to the to the end of this. Uh, ampersand subscribed to Prime, subscribed for twenty two months. I'm gonna kick on this just because I can't get the fanfare to work. This one's for you. That was so loud on my ears. <laughs> Thank you for supporting production on the podcast. The production, like having a functional soundboard that incorporates into the show, you know, how, how things are supposed to work. I really appreciate everybody who's sharing and subscribing and commenting, joining these conversations, meeting me up, meeting up with me in chat. Um, it really means a lot as we are wrapping up the year and looking at our holidays and using this as a time of reflection. If it's like, a sort of an awards-style show. One of the things that I was really proud of, how we were able to create the bracket for this. Um, If you'll pardon one last plug on your way out here, TK and I worked really hard uh, to put together a list of criteria for an awards show. And last Thursday on The Best of Our Week, we did the 2023 Smartphone Camera Awards, and we went through 15 categories of, uh, uh, like... Best autofocus, best low-light performance, best audio recording, best focal range. And it really meant a lot to us when people turned out and caught that. Uh, It's a little buddy podcast. It's not like a well-produced news show, one-hour tops with bumpers and segments and stuff like that. It's really, TK and I like to talk every week. And if you would just like to listen in on our phone call. (laughs) Two old nerds just catching up with what we've been doing. But this last week was something kind of special where we did try to put together our criteria, why we were judging things the way that we were. And it really, it, it, for me, it was a really fun challenge because like you would start putting stuff together and be like, oh, I thought this would be an easy category. This category is actually really difficult. What do I value in a phone being able to do this? And we would, we really, I think, whittle down some, some fun, uh, some fun winners, a few of them kind of took me by surprise, like, oh, you know, the more I really think about what this category means, the more my favorite phone isn't the phone that should win it, you know, and, and that, I, I, as a way that I like to talk about competition a lot, it's something that I I soapbox on a lot, but when you look at piece by piece by piece by piece, it really does matter, you know, that a phone does this better than another phone, or A camera can do this better than another camera. That might make someone's purchasing decision, and I feel it's that kind of nuance we often lose in smartphone camera reviews where I'm stealing this from people who do legit reviews of actual cameras. There's a reason why Panasonics haven't been good at some types of videography, and there are reasons why Sony has kind of dominated a certain tier of this market. And there are interesting things happening with OM systems and Canon and Nikon and watching all these players kind of battle back and forth. That's true of our phone cameras too. That stuff can influence. And it does matter when someone's in the moment trying to capture a memory or they're trying to produce something with a vision or with purpose. So... Uh, best of our week, the 2023 smartphone camera awards. They're live on the best of our week YouTube channel, which if you're watching this stream on YouTube, um, you're probably, you know, you can, you can catch that immediately after, or you can go to somegadgetguy.com where I've, I've posted it separately for, it was episode 144 of the best of our week podcast. So, uh let's get this out of Oh Aditya, thanks man. I really appreciate that. The best of our week camera awards were really good. Low key, you've redefined how I want my camera awards to be done from now on. And I, I promise you, it is not just a series of looking at pixel-peeped images side by side of lazily composed selfies. Um <laughs> <so> <laughs> we were doing. We are looking at specific categories of performance, operation, output. And then we have some general, like our favorite uh, pro modes, our favorite point and shoots, and our just general overall favorite phones for the year. So it's 15 individual criteria, 15 individual uh, categories of awards. I might actually write up emails, just like make a little graphic and just say, hey, congratulations, you won the best of our week, best autofocus award for 2023. (laughs) All right, folks. Um, I'm not going to be back next week. Uh, Next week, I need to take off for Christmas Day. I I need that time with my family. Um, I'm not entirely sure. Actually, I should just check right now while I have you all here on the stream. As uh, just going to open up the calendar that I actually really do use. Let's do that instead. Good job, Juan. And calendar... And so next so next Monday is December 25th. I will not be joining you December 25th. I might not be joining you January 1st. New Year's morning, I feel like that should be time where I just get to hang out with Lex. If there is some interest in following up Christmas and New Year's, uh, because we've we've finished Hanukkah, but just wrapping up the holiday season, please reach out to me on social media, and let's see if we could maybe do a special Tuesday episode of the Monday Morning Tech Chat Show, and maybe we can rejoin January 2nd. But these are the moments, especially with my daughter still being sort of young, I really want to take that time to spend and, like, really celebrate the magic of Santa Claus coming to visit and the, 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 the staying up late and watching fireworks. I think this is the first year we might actually try to catch the East Coast feed. <laughs> so, like, for the last several years, we get to New Year's Eve. And what we do are we just play fireworks at, like, 7 p.m., from previous years (laughs) like fireworks celebrations because she hasn't really noticed. So this year we might try to catch the ball drop East Coast time, which means she'll be up late for her. But she'll be, you know, hopefully in bed by like 9.30. Fingers crossed it goes well, but knowing that we're going to do that, I'm going to need to be on best dad alert for New Year's morning, for New Year's Day. So I don't think I can do a podcast New Year's Day. But if you would like, we can all recover together for January 2nd. So maybe, maybe we'll pencil that in and we'll come back. <laughs> DTNL. Juan, the deceiver, the time manipulator. <laughs> it's such a dirty trick. But she can't stay up that late. She's, she's, she's a lovely child, but she turns into just a wicked monster when she is off her sleep schedule. And uh, this is really for her benefit, as well as ours, that she just get a good night's sleep. So we'll see. So, folks, um, happy holidays. Uh, As always, my wish is that you are safe, that you are warm, that you're really well-fed. this is the time of year. Go get your snacks, your treats, and your favorite comfort foods. But that you also get to spend some time with people who care about you. And this is the right time of year to make that effort, to spend that time, to reflect, to look back, to, look, to, to, to build the goals for where you want to go and what you want to do next year. And uh, it always means the world to me that we get to share these conversations every week. And I'll be looking forward to sharing these conversations with you in the new year. So from my family to yours, just a toast of cold coffee right now. I wish you the happiest holidays and the merriest of Christmases the happiest of Hanukkahs, and I'm spacing on the other holidays that should be included in this as we look to the celebration of uh, wrapping up 2023 and starting off 2024. And I hope you get to have all of the fun in, in making that move and making that transition. Be safe. Take care. I'll catch you back. I love you all. Recording voiceover, spoken word, is truly one of my favorite activities. My second favorite hobby is photography. Now, the smartphone might be making us deaf, but we can't deny the awesome power of the phone as a platform for photography and multimedia creation. If you've been looking to improve your mobile photog skills, if you want to produce more professional content, or you're just looking to take your family photos to the next level, I wrote a book to help you out with that. Take Better Photos, Smartphone Photography for Noobs is available on Amazon Kindle. Walking through the basic terminology of photography, covering the settings on your camera, discussing composition and inspiration, and I even include a long list of exercises and challenges to really hone your skills, all with some helpful example photos and diagrams. Search for Take Better Photos, Smartphone Photography for Noobs on Amazon, or use the quick link bit.ly slash better photos book to grab your copy today. Okay.